Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. On this week's episode, we'll be breaking down the results from this past weekend's Liverpool Regional Championships. Giratina tried its best to take down one more tournament, but forgot it was playing in Muse Home Region. We'll talk about the results there <laughs> in a bit. We'll also, of course, talk about the upcoming regional championships this weekend. Not one, but two regionals happening this weekend. There's the Knoxville Regional Championships, which Azul and I will both be at. And there's also the Melbourne Regional Championships taking place down under in Australia. We, of course, will have everyone's favorite segment of the podcast. Guess that flavor text. And then we're going to wrap up this episode by talking about the brand new sets being out. Paldean Fates is out now in the U.S., North America, the rest of the world, outside of Japan. They've had those cards for a while. And uh, while we're getting to play with this fun little mini set, Japan gets a whole new crazy set that's got a bunch of awesome cards and rotation and all this stuff. Feeling a little left out, to be honest, you know, yeah. outside looking in. We'll, we'll look at, you know, the things that are good about Paldean Fates. You know, it's a fine set. It's a good reprint set to have. Uh, but then also we'll talk about some of the stuff that's seeing early success over there in Japan. And then, of course, we'll have our bonus episode over on the Patreon. 30 extra minutes every single week. If you want to support us over there on Patreon, you get access to all our past bonus episodes and a each uh, future episode every single week. My name is Chip Ritchie, joined here as always by my friend and co-host Azul GG. What's up, Azul? How are we doing, man? Doing pretty good, Chip. Um, had a good uh, good week of content. Uh, I actually stayed up, or not stayed up, I woke up early for the Liverpool uh, streams, and I only missed the first round of each day, which was good. Missed uh, round one of day one, round one of day two, but then was able to stream all of it. Day one, I was like actually like pretty good, but day two kind of hit me. Uh, <laughs> day two caught up with me a little bit. I even went to like bed earlier and got more sleep. Got like four hours the first night and then six hours the second night. But yeah, getting going on the, the second day was rough, but it was fun. And I definitely plan on doing that more uh, with the upcoming European regionals as well, doing like the live <clears throat> streams or like live re- uh, gameplay reactions. Um, so we got like Knoxville coming up this weekend. I'm not going to be doing Melbourne, unfortunately. Oh, actually, they don't even have a stream, do they? So I won't even have to worry about that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think that anything has been announced. Last thing they, the last time they had a stream, they just streamed top eight of one of them last season. I think, I think so. the last one. Last yeah, and ESL did it. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure. Like, Dortmund's like the week after Knoxville. So I'll be waking up early for the Dortmund regionals. Uh, and then more exciting. The weekend after that is Champions League Fakuda, which will mm. have all the new cards with rotation. So I'm really, really excited to watch that live. Um, being able to get like access to all these dates and kind of plan out my content ahead of time with this kind of stuff has been really nice, uh, especially with that. So I'm really excited. Like Champions League Fakuda, like I'm like super excited for that. Right now, everything feels so boring in Pokemon compared to just like I'm not even gonna be playing either. I'm just excited to watch the new cards and see what rotation does to the. That's the meta, and we'll talk about uh, some early results from Japan later on in the episode as well. But yeah, content was good this weekend. Um, watching the Liverpool Regional Championships was fun. Uh, it's been a little bit hot this weekend. I already have my AC unit in my window. I put it in <laughs> last night. It's always like 75. Uh, it was pretty hot here Saturday. this past weekend as well. It was like in the 70s, like low 70s as well. Yeah. Cooled back down. It's like back in the 40s, 50s and stuff like that today. But 
definitely oh. had a bit of a hot wave come through in January. You don't usually expect that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, I did, yeah, I did not to, and like 70s. I mean, you're in California bad. though, so it's a little different, but yeah, it doesn't like get as cold over here. And like 70s, not that bad, but like in my room with my computer on, my lights on and everything, it gets pretty warm in here. So mm -hmm. I had to get the AC unit out, get it in the window just in case. This week is supposed to cool down a little bit sure but uh, yeah that was my week chip how about you um what you what were you up to uh yeah not too much had a pretty chill normal week um i did play in a league challenge this weekend i haven't played in a local tournament in quite a while so that was fun got to go out there um play some pokemon it was the store's first ever league challenge and there was 33 people there which is pretty hype, honestly. How, how did they do? How did the store do for their first? The store did pretty good. The one of the the um, uh, judges running it, he like runs some of the other tournaments in the area and stuff like that, and he does a pretty good job. So overall, it was it was solid. Uh, and I think I haven't been to their locals, but they have like a pretty sizable locals on Friday nights. I think. Um, so I think they were used to like having a decent amount of people there. So it honestly, it went pretty well. I was, uh, definitely pleased and we'll try to go back because there's not many stores. There's a lot of stores, uh, and tournaments like in North Carolina, but only a handful like that are close to like the Raleigh area where I live. And this one was in Cary, North Carolina, which is a little outside, but, uh, it's like not that far, like 15 minutes away. Uh, so it definitely would be very exciting if they get to the point where they can have like league cups and stuff like that. And it's like that close to my house. Cause uh, yeah. usually to go to cups and stuff like the closest store that does cups regularly is like, you know, 25 minutes away probably. And there's another one that's like 45 minutes away. So closer is better for sure. Um, but yeah, had a good time. And I think with that being said, we can hop into the rest of the episode. First thing just some announcements we did uh post another new video on our brand new channel the uncommon energy channel it's linked in the description if you guys haven't checked it out it's azul and i's you know i guess secondary channel to the podcast you know the, this yeah. is kind of the focus of uncommon energy is the podcast but when we want to create other types of pokemon content we're going to put it on that channel we've posted two videos and the reception has been very positive so thanks so much to everyone for checking those out and one of the videos, the, the one we just posted, is a, a video about Paldean Fates using some cards that the Pokemon Company was kind enough to send over to us. And uh, the Pokemon Company International, I should say. And we are also giving away some of these cards. So um, if you want to go check out that newest video on the Uncommon Energy channel, youtube.com slash at Uncommon underscore Energy and leave a comment on the newest video. Or if you want to go over to Twitter, follow us on Twitter and like the post that I'm showing on the screen now. If you are listening, you can just scroll on the Twitter and you'll see it. Uh, you get a chance to win some of the new Paldean Fates cards that they were kind enough to send over us. So shout outs to TPCI for doing that. Yeah, yeah. The new content's been been sick. Me and Chip got like a, a lot of ideas um, <clears throat> for it. A lot of it is, of course, like us having to be in person together. So yeah, that's <laughs> it, like the, the kicker. Limits. Yeah, limits are like we got together. Um, was it after Charlotte? Yeah. Um, and then we had plans. We already have some plans to be me uh, meeting uh, or staying over at Chip's place um, uh, again earlier in this half of the year. So we'll, we'll try and keep the content flowing out over there. You guys have really enjoyed it. And um, 
I think there's a lot of potential for the kind of stuff we're doing over there. So I'm really excited for, with uh, with the kind of content we want to put out over there. Um, and it's really just going to be up to us to try and make it all make it all work and try and be consistent with it. But um, definitely go check it out um, for sure. We really appreciate the support so far from over there. Yeah, and again, be sure to check out the newest video and also our post on Twitter to get yourself a chance to be entered in the giveaway uh, to get some Paldean Fates cards. I had a bunch of fun opening up the set. Um, Azul, I know you've been playing some of the set on your stream today. We'll talk a little bit about our thoughts on the set. But, um, but yeah, shout-outs again to TPCI for hooking us up. And with that being said, let's hop over to the Liverpool Regional Championships. It took place this past weekend. 1,510 players over there in Liverpool. I believe I saw a tweet from Chris Brown that said it was the largest European, uh, European tournament ever, which is kind of insane, well, right? Was that bigger than EUIC? Let me see what his tweet said. I think EUIC was 18. Am I trolling? Well, it's more than just whenever yeah, he's but... saying largest Pokemon tournament, it's not just like TCG, right? Yeah, but neither was EUIC. It really was that. I guess it's possible. Maybe it was. Maybe it yeah, was. Yeah, his tweet, he did say, the Liverpool Regional this weekend is massive, largest ever in Europe, and just one week after Charlotte was the largest mm -hmm. ever anywhere. Community keeps growing. Great to see everyone come together. Hashtag play Pokemon. Okay. I, well, I feel like that could be referencing regionals or not. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, it's hard to like decipher. I'm like trying to find. Yeah, it's, yeah, I think it does say regional largest ever one weekend after Charlotte was the largest yeah. regional ever every, anywhere. So UIC 2023. Oh no, UIC was 15 as well. Um, UIC this year though is, is going to be crazy, be, man. It's going to be 2K. If they, it just depends on how much space they give us. To be honest, I think it literally there's going to be a ton of Americans going for sure. Um, I think a lot more. Yeah, a lot more uh, American players, Latin American players. Um, even like the Japanese players are like uh, starting to make their way over to these ICs, especially because like UIC is like not that expensive um, in comparison to some regionals, like even in comparison yeah. to like regional, like especially for like the Canadians, like a Canadian coming to America is probably, and I don't know for sure, but it's probably as just it costs just as much to go to Europe as it does to come to America for a lot of Canadians. So yeah, these, uh, the UICs, are going to be there's going to be a lot of Americans going to these this one. Um, I think we just kind of like, I think it's always been this way as well. I think a lot of people just assumed with international travel that it would be and it is like more days off I guess compared to a regional probably for a lot of people. Um, but even like London from the East Coast is like eight hours, so it's like not yeah. too far. You can still like only take off Friday and theoretically get back. And honestly, like um, to what you were saying too, like if you live on the East Coast, like somewhere near like uh boston jfk like any of yeah. those kind of like more international yeah, airports maybe like six hours get, from boston you can get pretty that. good cheap flights to be honest from the east coast of the u.s to london, uh yeah. to london and almost like cheaper than flying to la right because like, oh yeah, you've got yeah. A regionals later this year in la um I guess and it's, it's probably about the same amount of airtime you know maybe another additional hour hour and a half two hours something yeah. like that to go to 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 london the biggest thing is like that time off work for a lot of people is like, can they sure. get that extra day off work or do they want to take the extra day off work? But if like, that's not like a hindrance for some people. Yeah. And I've been like saying this, like since the beginning of last season, when like people like ask questions to me about like, what tournament should I go to? Or and I've been preaching, like try and go to some of these ICs, you know, it's better. Um, it's like a, you know, cooler location to go to for a lot of people um, better return on your potential championship points or even yep. like prize earnings. 
Um, and then it's just a bigger, cooler event as well. The ICs are as well. So the biggest hindrance, I think, for a lot of people just maybe getting that extra time off work. But yeah, if you're just looking to go to a, some major tournaments throughout the week, throughout the year, excuse me, if you're just looking to go to major tournaments throughout the year, um, especially like people who are looking, maybe looking to be more competitive going to next season, definitely take some time to see if you can do some ICs over maybe some of the the more uh, or region uh, regionals. I don't even know where I was going with that. Yeah, instead of some of the regionals, look at the ICs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, see if it makes sense for you. They're definitely worth it. Yeah, and the EOIC registration has not gone up yet. Probably will be not going yet. up soon. So it should be. Yeah, everything has been pretty consistently like two months out. I feel like. Yeah. That was like RK9's. I don't want to say promise, but they kind of put that out there. Like we're going to try and have every registration up two weeks or eight weeks. I think is what they said yeah. in their tweet. Eight weeks before our tournament, we're going to have registration open. They're slacking a little bit on EUIC, I think, right now, right? Because in EUIC, is EUIC the beginning of April or the end of March? It's the beginning of April. Okay, so they they're basically riding the line here. Oh, they got a couple. Of, they got like a week, right? They have like <laughs> yeah, a they week. got yeah. time, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have five days <laughs> if they want to like stay true to the eight week thing or just about. Um, but they've been pretty consistent with that. It's been cool to see them them be consistent with that as well. No, they um, got until like eight eight weeks out from the tournament is February the ninth. Oh, okay. They got a little bit of time then. They, we haven't heard anything yet, though. We haven't heard anything. But I'm sure we'll hear something in the next week or two for sure. Or should be up in the next week or two, I would imagine. I would say for some of these more international tournaments, like I think the eight weeks thing is fine for regionals, right? That's two months is plenty of time to plan domestic yeah. travel for most people. But for the international stuff, it would definitely be nice to know that you could have a spot locked up whenever you're booking your travel. Because the longer you wait to book travel, the more expensive it gets for sure. Yeah, I mean, we did just kind of talk about how reasonable. Well, you, re, Europe's still pretty. Re, I think it, even, does, it also does depend on where you're like coming traveling from. Because, like, yeah, like yeah. I said, Europe for East Coast America is like not that bad at all. It's not, um, but it is going up, right? Of course, of course. Um, but yeah, let's look at the decks that did well in Liverpool. Looking at the day one meta share, really not a surprise at this point to see Charizard Dude. holding true, seventeen <laughs> percent meta share. It's been pretty consistently number one and pretty yeah. consistently like seventeen percent as well for the last like five tournaments. I feel like basically ever since you won it with it in San Antonio. Yeah, I've actually had quite a few. A few, I mean, even before that, like Stuttgart and Gdansk, it yeah, was like yeah. up there as well. Like it's been. I actually think Charizard might be the best deck in format. Like, I've thought about this, and I kind of talked about this, I don't know, last week, or maybe it was on my stream, I don't remember, but, like, I guess, like, my idea of the best deck in format is, like, the meta doesn't matter, like, the meta, the best deck for a meta is different than the best deck in format, but as we see the metas evolve and change and stuff, it's, like, Charizard doesn't have very many bad matchups that, the decks that Charizard does really struggle against, like the Guard Wars and stuff, have way worse matchups than Charizard does, yeah. right? Um, and even something like Tina, Tina does not want to go up against the Maridons and the Roin Moons or the Muse. Um, and Charizard's like the only thing Charizard's really scared of is Guardy, right? Yeah. Like that's like the one matchup you're like, all right, I hope I don't hit Guardy or something with like two or three TM Devos. But apparently the only thing that's on the only decks that are doing that are Charizard, as we saw from the top eight of Liverpool, which we'll talk about here in a second. Yeah. So, um, I honestly, yeah, I think Charizard just is the best overall deck. Now, uh, there are metas that could come up in these these last couple of regionals before rotation where Charizard's not that good of a play. Um, but it really does come down to what the community and the player base is willing to play. And it doesn't seem like the the metas that are being generated for these major tournaments are hostile enough to like make Charizard maybe not like the best overall play or close to it for like every single tournament. Because um, I think all the other decks are a little bit more fragile in their matchup spread. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think like the close one in the format for sure, kind of what has become, I think, the like cornerstone matchup of the format is Charizard versus Giratina. Yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> like, you know, definitely the two most powerful decks it feels like right now in the format um, and have been consistently the two most popular as well. We see here in Liverpool, Maridon was just slightly more popular than Giratina in day yeah. one, but pretty close, close enough to almost be a wash, right? Um and we've seen that matchup play out many, many times, and we've seen it go both ways, to be honest. Um, I think the Giratina players definitely think, like, it's pretty decently favored for them, not, like, amazingly fist-pumping, you know, loving to hit the matchup, but, you know, they feel like it's favored. And I feel like the Charizard players are all like, oh, it's fine. So usually I would say whenever it leans that way, like whenever one side of the matchup, most of the players think it's favored, and the other side of the matchup, the players think it's not that bad. Usually it in reality means that it is a little favored the way of the players that think it's favored. Yeah. I don't know. I think it comes down to what the Tina player plays. If they got the TM Devo, they're definitely favored. If they sure. got four path, it might lean slightly Tina favor, but if they have three path, I honestly think it's Charizard favored. Um, but it's like overall, like across the spread of what Charizard players are bringing and what Tina players bring. It's like a 50, 50, I think. I think it's pretty close. Um, says I think the you Charizard do player. <laughs> I think you do. I think once you learn the matchup really well on the Tina side, the Charizard player is the player who's doing the more work and has to make the more tougher decisions throughout the game. Um, but I think, yeah, once you get it down on the Tina side, then um, then like the, the, the matchup goes a little bit better for you. But Charizard also gets a little bit of edge in the consistency department between the two decks, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Turn two, just candy swing with a Charizard. You know, sometimes that's enough to beat like any deck. So, <laughs> including Tina, sometimes that's too much for Tina to handle as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely, definitely gains that uh, that edge for sure. Then we do see the the two beat stick decks still being pretty well represented. I guess three beat stick decks. Mew kind of still fits in that category, I guess. But uh, mostly talking here about Maridon EX, 12% of the meta. And Roaring Moon holding strong at 9%. Is that just going to be kind of the new normal? Like, is Roaring Moon just for the rest of this format going to be a solid 8 to 10% deck? I think the big thing for Moon has to be the Guardian matchup. Like, Guardian is not, not even on the, the day one graphic here, right? Yeah. Um, that's like the... Because, like, if... Once you remove Guardi from the equation, Roaring Moon feels like it's literally just like Maridon, but they're different, obviously, right? Like, Maridon has more ways to draw prize cards off small Pokemon, and uh, Roaring Moon has Frenzy Gouging, so the big Pokemon are less of an issue for Roaring Moon, right? But besides that, they're very similar in um, kind of their matchup spread and how they feel into a lot of matchups, for sure. Um, like, Roaring Moon's Moon better against... better into Tina, though, than, like... Well, I would say well, Maridon's guess... better against Tina, but I would say Moon is better against Mew. Okay, Moon sure. is better against, uh, honestly, Moon and Maridon on struggle against Charizard. I actually, after playing that matchup a little bit more, I don't mind it as much on the Maridon side. Um, and if you're a Maridon player out there who's trying to figure out the Charizard matchup, you sometimes just have to take it slow. You got to know when to be aggressive, but also you have to know when to go, I'm not going to attack this turn because I don't want to let you do more damage next turn. So, um. Yeah, I mean, attacking all matchups when they're one played prize well. is rarely correct, I feel like, is the Maridon <laughs> Yeah, player. attacking for one prize card. I mean, I've heard some people have been preaching the amp you very much. Or not the amp you very much, the... Arm press. The arm press strategy, where you arm press for one prize card, because then the Charizard can't KO your hands. But I don't know if I like that, because it still offsets your prize trade. You still have to draw three counter knockouts after catcher. that. Countercatcher. <laughs> also, countercatcher is a pretty good <laughs> response to that. But uh, I think it's pretty close between the two. Uh, maybe we give Roy and Moon the edge... The arm press right strategy now. actually probably is decent though. Uh, because as Maridon, you can only have well, I guess 
it depends on if you have Mew or Squawkabilly in play. You probably have to have both of those in play. So, well, or Raikou or Raichu. Yeah, but not even everyone's or, playing Raikou anymore. And if you, you can play the Vitality Band. Raichu in play. If you play the Vitality Band, you can counter catch the Maridon. Yeah, but nobody's playing Vitality Band, bro. You've meta manipulated <laughs> Vitality Band out of the also, format. Also, you can now because everyone is playing Radiant Charizard. Now that I meta manipulated Radiant Charizard into all the lists, <laughs> you can just go four energy or four energy Radiant Charizard on turn two as well if you really want to. Sure. Um. With and your you six have, energy list. Yeah, and if you got the double two prod, it's easy to recover from that. I remember so. when we first played Charizard <laughs> at Toronto. Uh, yeah, it was Toronto. Was it Toronto? Yeah, yeah it, was it was Toronto. Toronto yeah. <laughs> where we had eight fire energy, right? Caleb was like preaching in the Maridon matchup, like turn to five energy radiant Charizard. He was like, dude, I've been playing it at locals and I just go turn to five energy Radzard and just... <laughs> bop them they can't do anything <laughs> honestly forcing radzard as soon as possible in the two prize matchups is correct like against moon and maridon you do want to attack with ratings as soon as possible but um yeah i don't wait what he was saying back then was like yeah there was they, they, there they had no way to energy in the list then yeah only one but, rod <laughs> one yeah but also rod. like yeah, they but back then like they didn't have hands to pressure you they were drawing one prize card to begin That's with true too. you don't have to attack with radians as a response to uh, I'm a ride on for one prize card for sure. Yeah. Um. Uh. Past that, we did have the, the Mew is there at the end. This is this is actually one thing I have a little bit of a. I don't know. I just feel like there's so much more to talk about and look at here. I really wish that there would be there would be an extended day one graphic in metas like this where the meta is so wide. I would like to see like the top ten decks. You know, probably don't put them all in one graphic here, but two graphics, five top five into the next five. You know, just pan over to the next five. It would give you guys, the casters, more stuff to talk about and analyze. Because um, it'd be really nice to see in, in metas that are really wide like this. I really want to know what that seventh deck is. I know it's Gardvor, but then I also want to know what the eighth deck is as well, right? Sure. Um, so I feel like there's a lot of information here that I wish it was just kind of apparent on the screen. And you can go to like Pokestats Live um and look it up as well of course right um but information is like a little bit skewed right or different um yeah it's not perfect information yeah where i feel like the i feel like the information we're getting from the stream graphics is a little bit more solid um but it's close i think it's close i don't think uh oh pokestats live is kind of off because of people not reporting right so you really don't yeah. know where you're at with that like yeah. here on the pokestats live data guardy's number five but I think we know for sure that's not there. Also, like, because especially like when you have decks like Snorlax Stall, which is like a very highly respected deck in the meta, but obviously not a very well played, it would still be kind of cool to know where that positions uh, against some of the other stuff. So, yeah, that's one thing I would like to see from the, the stream is like when we have these wider metas to show more decks on the the day one meta chart and day two meta charts when the sure. metas are as wide as they are like right now. Yeah, there's definitely a ton of decks that are viable right now. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, for sure would be interesting to know and definitely would give us more to talk about, uh, which is never a bad thing. Um, but yeah, that's the day one meta. Let's move into day two. 147 people made it into day two. And Charizard stayed strong at the most played deck. I feel like that's something we haven't seen in a few tournaments. Yeah, it usually falls off. It usually becomes it number two, number three. And then something else jumps way far ahead. But Usually we see Tina. Tina picked it up a little bit, but didn't get a massive jump. Really, yeah. the deck that probably made the biggest jump is the Gardevoir EX, because yeah. it's not even on the day one graphic. It probably is right here at seven, like you said. But we see here in day two, 11% third most popular deck of day two. 
Yeah, and that was a surprise to me because we talked about it last week. I thought Gardevoir would be definitely, I thought Gardevoir would be 10%, 10% for sure. Because I think we have seen, now I don't think there's too much of a difference between the regions in terms of meta percentage of decks. Um, when tournaments gets really small, there is the potential for that. So in, in the past, like Australia has definitely been, uh, their metagames have been a little bit more wonky and you don't want to read to them and into them as much as you do with the larger tournaments but at past a certain point like probably like i don't know the thousand like the maybe not even a thousand players like past like 700 players 500 players at that point it's kind of like they're roughly the same metas at that point like a 500 player european tournament 500 player north american tournament the meta percentages are going to be pretty close or within a margin of error mm -hmm. uh, but i think there are some decks that sometimes stand out uh, as being decks that are more and guardia i think was one of them where it's like a little bit more popular in europe i think that was like a something that was pretty consistent but it, yeah even in europe for this one it wasn't even in the top six we've kind of been seeing guardia have like a steady downtrend which is weird because it feels like the meta is getting better for guardia right like yeah Maridon i think guardia might be a little bit of uh an intimidating deck right like you look at the other is. options in the format even charizard the most popular deck Charizard is kind of linear compared to something like the Gardevoir. Course, yeah. um, and then if you look at the other two decks that have really started to be very popular the last, um, you know, two months or so, it's the Roaring Moon and the Maridon, right? And yeah. those decks, well, like Maridon you said, was... are, are very similar. Maridon has been popular already in the past, so yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's it's got some hold over there for sure. But Roaring Moon was kind of the, the new hotness coming out of Paradox Rift. It was pretty popular at LAIC. Dipped down a little bit, but... A lot it's it's found its place once again and um i don't know i mean a deck like roaring moon just feels like way more fun to play than something like gardevoir i don't know gardevoir almost feels yeah. very try hardy <laughs> and i think that's and there's like a chore wrong to play that. gardevoir is probably a little bit better of a deck right but roaring moon is definitely like it, there's a bit of a different appeal almost it feels like yeah, I could definitely agree with that for sure. Um, I think it is. I think it is coming. It's one of those things where it's kind of coming around where it's like sometimes it takes a while for people to understand that this deck is not the deck you should be playing for where you are in the game um, or the time you have to put into the game or the effort you even want to individually put into the game. Um, and we can see it the other way sometimes where it's like this deck is better than people are giving it credit for. And it is a deck that kind of checks a lot of the boxes for a lot of players, but it just hasn't gotten really there yet i think roaring moon is probably that deck kind of on the opposite side of that where it's like it has like a stigma around it post laic the deck's bad it can't beat anything guardy was insanely popular at laic though um that's one of the reasons for his poor performance but as the meta evolved it's like eh, guardy's not that good in the meta hands is really good oh maridon's here and now it's like oh charizard's here so the meta's gotten like better for Gardevoir, but we aren't seeing i guess we aren't seeing like the players come back to Gardevoir, and they are going other places um because they probably have kind of come to terms with like what they being reasonable for them to try and attempt to pull off and the guard probably doesn't fit the criteria for as many players as the many players thought it did initially a deck being really good doesn't mean you should play a deck and i think i just see that getting preached a lot more in the pokemon tcg something i've been saying a lot recently is just like um you know you should try and like pick a deck that works for you for what you can do in the game currently how much effort and how much time you can put into the game and ideally you know picking like just a solid deck a couple weeks out from a tournament um, and it feels like a little bit riskier to maybe try and lock in something like Gardevoir because if the Mirai don't show up, the hands show up, you're not going to have as good of a time um, as something like a Roaring Moon. Because even if you have you run into some Gardevoir with Roaring Moon, you're still a fast deck. Um, you still take some dubs, right? So, um, yeah, I guess that, yeah, that, that does kind of make sense. And I guess I kind of don't expect Gardevoir to make like a, a major comeback then um, as we progress through the meta. It'll probably sit in that like 8 to 7% range, and maybe that's kind of 
where it belongs. Like the really, you know, the really, what do you say? Try hard, <laughs> try hard type <laughs> players, the players who have want to put in the time, want to put in the effort and play a deck that has that much depth to it. Like Gardevoir, they'll still pick it up. But besides that, it probably is. It's better for the, it's better for the vast majority of players to probably not pick up Gardevoir to begin with, no matter how good of a play it might seem. Well, let's look at the results here from Liverpool hopping over to Limitless. And it was Mew VMAX taking it all down. And Fabrizio Inga Silva coming over from Peru to compete in the event did get the first place finish with the Mew VMAX. Uh, you know, we've joked before about people being like a certain deck's strongest soldier, right? <laughs> Fabrizio is without a doubt. Maybe, I don't know, he and Xander might have a little bit of a you know a yeah, fight a off couple. to see who is muse true strongest rolling uh so we gotta we gotta put vance up there as well vance, vance uh, another yeah. big one and it's call him really Matthews. for a while yeah yeah it's mew definitely has its followers it's, it's got it its army i don't know uh <laughs> it's got its army for sure but um, it was fabrizio taking down the event with uh the mew v max and it does speaking of vance look very similar to vance and ian rob's list yeah, yeah. Um, that's where that like the the double fusion sparkle build initially got popularized. The only difference that I see is there's a, a lost city in here over something, but I don't know what the change is. Um, Did they play four path? No, they were on the three path as well. I can kind of like up. figure out what the difference is. Maybe it was just a nest ball or a feather ball. Um, there's still the four vacuum in here, which when I was watching the finals play out between Fabrizio and Brent, and they actually played against each other twice in the tournament. I forgot, like, the first round that I casted or watched uh, was them playing against each other, and I completely forgot that going into the finals, but that would have, like, would have been a good talking point that they already played, and Fabrizio did beat Brent 2-0 twice, I believe. Um, but yeah, this has kind of become just, like, the standard double turbo Mew. Uh, with the sparkle, with the fusions, which is kind of funny or interesting, because, like, in this tournament specifically, there wasn't that much Spiritomb, and uh the number one deck that uh the sparkles just helped you kind of auto beat the sparkle fusions was the uh rapid strike deck which has kind of been nowhere to be seen recently um or did they just have no they had lost it what's the difference the switch cart for the switch but there was a lot of people in uh charlotte that played that list with switch over switch cart yeah so there's oh fabrizio only played three cramomatic oh the three the three crams and that's where the Lost City switch came in. Minus yeah. a cram, add the Lost City. I guess really wanted, or maybe like, I definitely like, we could maybe, it could have been like three Lost Vacuum, one Lost City, and then put the fourth vacuum in there over the cram. Uh, which, to be honest, maybe that does, maybe if you really want the Lost City, maybe that makes sense. Because vacuum, one of the things that cram does is it clears out your hand more so than sometimes than even like, like getting heads is great, but like, also, just like getting two you cards, you still get out of your value hand. even if you flip tails. Yeah, exactly. But the vacuum like always does that. You don't need an item to go with it. You can pick any card to loss in a way. And then also, it's a stadium bump as well, right? So it went with the five, the potential for the five path outs with the lost city plus the four vacuums, which it's seen on the rise. I guess kind of makes sense. And I guess one um, thing we could mention uh, while we're looking at Fabrizio's list, um, we could take a look at Fabrizio's run on. Pokestats yeah, I'll pull it up. because it was kind of crazy. The uh, the decks that Fabrizio was able to take down on the way to on the way to the finals. Yeah, there was a lot of people talking about this. Uh, and if you pull it up here, you'll see, you know, Mew VMAX is very strong. It has one big flaw. It's weak to dark. Yep. And dark is usually a pretty powerful type in the Pokemon TCG. And Mew does definitely not like going up against things that can one hit KO it. 
mainly Charizard EX, also Roaring Moon, probably not the best matchup, but I would say more beatable than the Charizard matchup for sure. Yeah. But if you look at Fabrizio's run, Charizard, Charizard, <laughs> Charizard, Moon, 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 Charizard. <laughs> and he beat them all except one. He only lost to one. Yeah, and even Brennan's, the, the Brennan cameraman list, it is a Sablezard with the moon, the Sablezard moon that Brennan's been running for a while. So I don't think that list, that deck is not like a, a deck that Mew's overly scared of because uh, it's a little bit less focused around the dark attackers. But yeah, still has a dark attacker in there uh, and was able to take that down as well. Yeah, so defeated almost all of them, um, <clears throat> except for that one Charizard earlier in the tournament. But that is that is kind of a crazy run, defeating yeah, all those moons. The, uh, Magnus has moon and uh magnus has everything yeah, for moon the- and moltres yeah <laughs> he's got moltres moon and kyogre as no well, no kyogre right? the kyogre's not in there the kyogre's it's not a, in there no oh kyogre's it's the glasses build there. that's right yeah, yeah, yeah it's the glasses build so yeah still had the moltres in the moon though so had some dark attackers i'm sure magnus was not scared about going up against mew was probably like this is a comfortable matchup it's fine um but yeah i mean i guess one question you could ask from this for sure is is the matchup that bad for Mew up against these dark Pokemon? No. And, no. <laughs> Probably not as bad as a lot of people thought. And this is like with a list that isn't like as consistent as it could be. You have the Sparkle. You have the Fusion Energy. Those are not very good in any matchup that doesn't have Spiritomb. You prefer to not have those cards, um, but still comes out on top through all that. I think Mew is, of course, I think this deck is the most consistent deck in the format as well. I think DT Mew just is... The most consistent deck you're playing the most games does it make it the most powerful deck or the best choice for every single metagame no um but that's actually one question i have like moving forward like do you still play the sparkle in the fusions i don't even know if you do there was so there's so little spirit tomb going around right now with kind of rapid strike disappearing i don't even know i don't know if it's correct or not i guess there's still stuff like that has like control and stuff that has spirit tomb but it does yeah, let you cheese some wins too with the the psychic leap right but that's not like a great reason to play the cards yeah i think you'd always rather you like if you're looking for some like the cheesy psychic leap plays could just be made up for by having more tablets so you could just like play a silene or something yeah for later in the game sure yeah so and silene Mm -hmm. would help some of your other matchups too like snorlax and stuff like that yeah but yeah pretty pretty uh pretty ridiculous run there from fabrizio gets the dub i think it's fabrizio's first major dub but it's been up there he's won a couple times. special events in Latin America, oh, okay, okay. but yeah, uh, did get I think a top four finish at a regionals last year. Yeah, I mean, has been just like literally. Besides a little, we actually like it joked around. I think we looked at this uh, switch up there from Fabrizio, and we're like, all right, back on the Mew, and because like yeah, Fabrizio <laughs> was like Mew, 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 and then even before that was on the uh, the Mew and Mew tag team as well. So been a Mew main for a while. What do you think his favorite Pokemon is? Insect. Ah, I feel like this like exact <laughs> joke sequence has happened on the podcast before. Yeah, we literally brought this up before. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh man, but yeah, congrats to Fabrizio on getting the win. And uh, yeah, he had definitely had a tough go of it in top cut, especially in the finals. He played against Australia's best, Brent Tonneson, with the lost Tina. Lost Tina was so close, Azul, to get another dub, its third win in a row. That would have been pretty crazy. But yeah. uh, just didn't quite work out for Brent in the end. He does come away with the second place finish, however. Yeah, and the list is a little bit different than some of the other builds we've been seeing. So, like, the, the things that stand out here, of course, the first things, no Manaphy, two Sableye, 
Um, I believe Vinny was on the one stable eye as well, right? Yeah, Vinny played uh, for one the, stable eye. Yeah, for the support accounts, the two boss, the two the two Roxanne, the four colors, which has become like the standard. Um, almost everyone's off the Iono, but there's no Pokey gear, which feels like usually it's like you play the Ionos. If you don't play the Ionos, you play the Pokey gears to make up for it. Brent went with no Pokey gear. Um, more Nest Ball. Four Nest Ball is usually something we don't see at all. Uh, I'm personally a big fan of the four Nest Ball whenever you can fit it. I even like tried out a list at one point with like 14 of four Nest Ball because I was like, bro, I just want to find my Pokemon. I'm tired of not finding my Pokemon. <laughs> um, so yeah, a little bit of a difference in consistency, I guess, right? Like more Nest Ball, but less outs to your Colrus. Double Sableye. Um, there's going to argue that there is some there it does is some added consistency through that as well, I guess. Um, uh, yeah, we see uh, John's reply to Brent uh, Brent posting the list on Twitter. I take everything back. I said, why the hell does your deck not have Pokey Gear? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then also, I guess like, the second counter catcher in the the list from Brent as well, um, and goes with the what I call the Alberto switch count, which is the four switch cards. Um, no escape rope, no switches either. Um, just the four switch cart. Which yep. to be honest, at this point, what the heck are we healing at this point? Why is it just not four switch? What are we healing? What what 30 damage is important to heal anymore? Is there? Motivate. <laughs> the motivate for 20. The heat <laughs> tackle, the motivate. Yeah, yeah. I guess it could still matter in like uh against lost box, like their Sableye damage they can build up over time, I guess could matter. We'd rather have the switch carts. Um yeah, maybe it should just be switch. Honestly, we've there's definitely been plenty of cheesy situations where uh, Tina's have opened themselves up to being locked and stuff like that. Um, usually, the four jet energy is enough to, you know, get you out of those spots, but it can make things tough. Yeah, yeah. Then also the the four path to the peak, which is definitely something I personally like as well. Vinny yeah. played the four path. Brendan with the four path. Like it's just I think path is like probably the strongest thing going for this deck to be honest yeah, like the every matchup you want path. path there's not like one besides mirror match i guess you don't really want path and mirror but like every other guardy zard maridon roaring moon like the list goes on the matchups that you'd want path to the peak in um yeah it'll be interesting to see where tina i think a lot of people will look at brent's list and their reaction will be like john's reaction it's like oh my gosh no pokey gear how could you ever not play pokey gear your deck is just less consistent and won't even like think to try Brent's list. Um, I think that's where a lot of people will go. But there could be something here for sure. Like, I mean, Brent made all the way to the finals, did draw a little bit poorly in the finals. Tina yeah. things, lack of Pokey Gear things, who knows? But like, um, but yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of people won't actually dive too deep into Brent's list and actually give it a shot. Just like the initial reaction is going to be exactly what John's reaction was. It's just like, how could you not play Poke Gear? They're so good, yada, yada, yada. And I'm not saying like no Poke Gear or Poke Gear is correct. I don't really care. I'm not playing Tina. But um, it's one of those things where it's like sometimes we see lists like win or do really well or like in Brent's case get second and they get kind of like brushed over immediately and no one really gives it the, its due diligence. I feel like this is kind of one of those scenarios. But I guess we'll see what happens for Tatina lists in, uh, in Knoxville coming up. A lot of people probably won't jump ship this close to Knoxville. So maybe we'll see a difference in like Dortmund or something like that. Yeah, sure. It's, I think, tough for the meta to shift that quickly. I mean, most people have made their minds up. Maybe we'll change a couple cards going into this weekend based on Liverpool results. Yeah. Um, let's keep on moving here. We do have Brennan Cameraman. You mentioned it already is playing the Sablezard Lost Box deck with the Roaring Moons, the four Mirage Gates, pretty similar to what he got top four with at LAIC to start the yeah. format off. Uh, but yeah, what do you think about this list? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's fine. I think it's like another lost pile. You know, it has a lot of options or a decent amount of options, not as much as something like the glasses build, probably. But um, yeah, the, the, whenever I look at this list, I always say, why is I always feel like there's too many Mirage Gates. I was like, we have one Roaring Moon, and sometimes <laughs> we want to attack early with Radiant Charizard and four Mirage Gate. <laughs> like, it feels like a little overkill. Um, Hon but, uh, but honestly, man, it's like if you don't respond to the Iron Hands, you are like probably going to lose the game. So yeah. I think that's, that's a true. big part it of it true. is like you just have to have the Mirage Gate usually to respond. Yeah, and I guess like compared to like the Sables art from like Christian Fontenot, like there's no double turbo, there's no Raihan. Right. Like there was like other ways for Fontenot to kind of answer the Iron Hands. Um, and another thing that I feel like this deck lacks is an answer to Charizard. Like no TM Devo. Got the Maw Wild Cheese in there though, which I'm sure is like one of the win conditions that... Uh, that Brennan was trying to utilize was the Mawile, Mawile K or Mawile Trap uh, Jirachi probably. They put down or, the Jirachi to play on the Sableye. What if he only played against one Charizard the whole tournament? He did win. Yeah, but he did win it though, which I'm mm. sure Mawile, I, I wouldn't bet. Maybe Mawile got involved. Maybe Mawile got involved. Um, yeah, the Mawile is definitely an interesting tech. We've seen this pop up a little bit more in decks here and there. Um, and a lot of people play the Switch in Charizard now. Yeah, but a lot of people don't play Lost City. So yeah, strategy is you switch and then you Lost City the Mawile. But what's going to happen is you're going to switch KO the Mawile, and then Brennan's just going to get it back and then trap your Jirachi in the active or whatever you maybe can't move. In wow, yet game. another card that Azul has meta manipulated out of the format. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah, Lost City to, and Zards. I was just trying to set Brennan up, bro. I was like, guys, play the switch. <laughs> you guys are working City. together, huh? How much? How much of his prize winnings is he giving you? What was the deal? What was the deal, Azul? We need to know. Hey man, I just want to see Mawile get some dubs, bro. That's all I'm here for. <laughs> the Mawile dubs. Yeah, some people were still playing the Lost City, of course. So not everyone has cut back. Well, a lot of people have cut back on the Lost City because, like, the main reason to play Lost City is the Lost Pile matchup, and it's like not necessary. It's just good against Lost Pile. Um, but consistency, I don't know, consistency kind of king or key. So like, more artisans always feels a little bit better than that Lost City. So I don't think like in my last couple runs with the deck, I don't think I used like Lost City like once. Yeah. Um, there'd be there's a couple of situations like in games where I was like, okay, Lost City could be really good here if it comes up or if I can get the combo off, but then I would like whiff the combo. Really, its best use is like to be pretty decent in the Gardevoir matchup, but you still lose the matchup most of the time, even with Lost City. So, yeah, like the one Lost Pile I played against in Portland, I couldn't get the Lost City out because my quick search always had to go to a different card. So, like, yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, back at it. Brennan's back at it. Second top eight with the this build of Lost Pile, and then there was the this was a really control, one. yeah. It was actually, um, I actually think they did fumble a little bit against Brent in top four. I think they, were, they actually had game one basically locked up. Um, but then a little bit mismanaging of resources. The big play that they didn't go for, they didn't go for like a big play to go for against Tina as control is to go for, you don't want Tina to, Tina to sit there with like a 12 card hand because they're always going to have the answer to whatever you throw at them. You need to hit him with an Iono counter catcher in the middle of the game or towards the end of the game. So that way you have a turn to kind of restabilize and, you know, put your Misfortune Sisters back and stuff without them getting a prize card every single turn. Uh, we just never saw him go for that play. Um, but they were just like one gust away from beating Brent in game one of the of the top four match um and then brent in game two it kind of went how it usually goes where tina just kind of drew solidly and then uh, brent kind of took over but uh, yeah this is a interesting take on on control like is it just turbo control like what is this turbo sarax like what would you call it 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely trying to deck out pretty quickly. It feels like lots of item cards. Uh, the four cross Seaver in the deck as well for Cramo Maddox for Pokestop. You know, we're just trying to get through the deck, I guess. In um, the last month, Cross Seaver has been in. Oh, when was the last Champions League? Actually, I don't remember, really remember. But Cross Seaver made the finals. Yokohama, it was like Christmas weekend, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> a little bit over for a month. Kyoto. Month and a week. We've had Cross Seaver in the finals of a major tournament and in top four of a major tournament. I didn't think we'd ever. That's like, I, that's something I would like look at that. And I'm like, I don't think I'd ever have predicted that. Cross Seaver is not a card that I thought would ever see any real play. But here it is. Um, Speaking of cards that you never thought would see any real play, the egg one incubator. egg incubator. Gotta play the egg incubator. So I'm not gonna lie, when I first saw this card, I thought it was a different card. I thought he was playing. Uh, there's another bad item card from Pokemon Go. I thought at first, at first glance, I thought it was this one. Oh. <laughs> Each player reveals the top three cards, puts all Pokemon they find there in their hand. I was like, oh, he's trying to mill his opponent somehow, or I don't know. But no, it is the egg incubator. A little bit of like anti deck out or something like that, maybe. Well, what's going on kinda, with the egg incubator? You can like chain it with the, um, you can like chain it, I guess, with like the Pokestop. Um, so like, I guess you use it, it goes back to your, like, cause like if you whiff it, then it goes back to your deck and you reuse it later. I guess it's kind of like the top. I honestly, but the more I, don't I think, think about you can it, play it if you have zero cards in your deck. No, no, no. But like, you play it. You get tails. That's fine. It goes back to your deck. You can get it again. Wait, no. Can you play it if you have zero cards in your deck? Well, I'm not, no, I'm not saying like at the end of the game. I'm just saying in general as you progress through the game. Yeah, yeah, sure. You play it. It gets. But honestly, the more I think about it, this card has to suck. There's just no reason to play this card, right? <laughs> yeah. For anyone who doesn't know what Egg Incubator does, you flip a coin. If heads, search your deck for a basic Pokemon and put it onto your bench. Shuffle your deck. If tails, you put this egg incubator on the bottom of your deck instead of in the discard pile. Yeah, it's like not a terrible card because it just helps you find Pokemon. I wonder if this is one of those situations where just had a bet with a friend. Like, I bet you won't play egg incubator in your control deck. And he's like, <laughs> you know what? Bet. And then adds the egg incubator. And sure enough, um, the only person to have a limitless page with egg incubator. Maybe that was the goal the whole time. Shout outs to Nicholas. Yeah, I wonder if Nicholas cut a Pokemon catcher for the egg incubator. I was like, well, it still flips a coin. Let's go with. <laughs> oh my! There is gosh. only there's only three Pokemon catcher. There also is Pokemon catcher in here. Yeah, just like it's another like it is like, yeah, it's like a super aggressive control. It's like a more aggressive control build. The thing is, I like thought about it. I don't know if this playing being more aggressive actually changes any of your matchup spread at all. Maybe like a little bit, but like I think you're still beating Charizard. You're still losing to Tina. You're still beating what you're supposed to be and losing what you're supposed to lose to. So I wonder, like, how much does being this much more aggressive actually matter? Um, and, yeah. like, from what I could, like, kind of theorize, I don't think it matters too much. Um, and that's probably why we've seen people or players like, like, Cal Connor be so consistent with control. Because, like, you just beat what you're supposed to beat, and then you, like, you kind of lose what you're supposed to lose to. But um, it kind of feels like control is, or the Snorlax stall deck is the the deck of the format where it is just kind of, like, I hate to use the word. I'm not going to use it. It's just like where if you hit the matchup you you want to hit, you get there. If you don't, you don't. But like you can't really be mad when you hit a couple Tinas in a row because Tina's so popular, right? Honestly, control for the regionals this weekend feels like it's in a pretty precarious spot because now we have seen Moon establish itself as you know a top four deck, and yeah, Tina it, hasn't like 
Dina's like mean, got like... a very good matchup into Snorlax. It's not like I think as one sided as everyone thinks it is, but it's definitely like 70 30 ish, something like that yeah. for, for Tina. Uh, Roaring Moon is probably like 90 10 into <laughs> into Snorlax. Like Roaring Moon has a much easier time, it feels like, in that matchup. Um, I actually don't know if Roaring Moon, because Roaring Moon can just like lose if you open Squawkabilly or you open. Okay, Ninja. sure. But or if it they, gets caught, it, it might be about the same. How many switch cards and stuff people do play? Yeah, yeah, it might be. Yeah, it does. If you open a Roaring Moon and you don't have another Pokemon in your hand for a little while, you can sit there and like just moon over and over and over again for a while. Um, but I think it could be close. I think it'd be close to actually which one is. Um, if it's actually that much better, it's probably like about the same as Tina. I feel like the Moon matchup. Like I feel like Moon just has a pretty solidly <laughs> easy time in that matchup. But you know, moon anything fan. can happen, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, Moon is kind of like even though Tina hasn't become like. Which is kind of like where I thought it would be. I thought Tina would maybe become the most popular deck in the format. Um, it hasn't gotten there, but uh, yeah, like you said, for control, it's like Tina's not the most popular deck in the format. It's like okay, whatever, but it's still number two, or you know, close to number two. It's in the top three. Now we got Moon to deal with and like other stuff. So yeah, control, uh, control moving forward is probably going to be a little bit of a struggle. But uh, we did some Charizards as well in the top eight. Yep, there's a Lawrence. pair of them here. We've got Lawrence with the Zard. Looks pretty similar uh, to kind of what the standardized list has become. Does have the double TM devolution here, though. Yeah, that's got to be pretty brutal in the mirror. That's got to be... Because you can, like, literally, they go Candy Pitch out Candy Zard, and you're like, all right, TM Devo. And then they're like, okay, what do I do now? Like, if you if they know you have the second TM Devo, they can't go Candy Pitch out Candy Zard again. So, like, if they if you know what you're playing against, you gotta take it really, really slow. Um, so that gives you so much freedom if you have the double TM Devo. So it's gotta be like, a, if they're not playing double TM, you gotta have a huge advantage in the mirror with that for sure. Yeah, I, maybe what happened here is that Lawrence just took uh, Kaito's TM Devo because uh, they did not <laughs> play one in their top eight list. And no TM Devo for Kato. Um and yet yeah, no no mirror match tool in general. No justified, no justified gloves. gloves. Yeah. No TM Devo. Vitality um, band. And is going with a light Arvin build um, as well. Not quite the Haru build, which played no, but I think Kato actually played something really similar to this at uh, LAIC. No, Kato right. played Snorlax at LAIC. Oh, that's right. I literally lost a Kato at LAIC and I didn't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> I saw I saw a similar build. Did Kato play this at a different tournament recently? Yeah, I literally lost a Kato at LAIC. I don't remember. This no. is all that's I've on the seen. List. I've seen a build like this very recently, where it has the one of, one of Avery, the one of Colrus. Um, but I don't remember where it was. Now I'm just kind of tripping. I feel like maybe Kato played it in an online tournament. Maybe, maybe that's where I saw it. I could have seen it there. Um, well, the the list from Haru played the one Colrus, one Avery, but maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Um, yeah, maybe Colrus, so. The course is standing out to me. Um, but yeah, Kato did play some Arvins, which like Haru didn't play any Arvins at Brisbane. Um, yeah, a little bit of a different, but not too far off. And also, I wonder, I'm also curious if uh, Kato was choosing first because of the triple nest ball. Yeah, you have a lot more. That's one of the reasons you choose second with Charizard is because you don't have as much basic Pokemon search on that first turn of the game. And you really value Arvin for Battle VIP pass. But we see two less Arvins here from Kato and then three nest balls. So a lot of 
basic Pokemon search. There's also no uh, Lumineon in, in this list, which often becomes your way to get Battle VIP pass turn one. Yeah, it can be. So I feel like I feel like they're Kato is definitely choosing to go first with this build for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Go first, get Mew, Mew for VIP or another nest, hopefully. Or just, just open VIP nest and then just roadie and then Yeah. And then you're vibing. Yeah, definitely. No level ball does have the hundred HP Melian. Um one thing about like playing lists a list like this like now do i think it's better than the other builds i don't know but your opponent's gonna be playing around a lot of things you don't play they're gonna be playing around the tm devo yeah. or thinking maybe you have justified if you're not playing down a tm devo route um they're not gonna assume you have escape rope you got that escape rope in there so playing a build like this like if you play up against you know mirror match or other decks they're gonna be playing around a lot of cards that you just don't have which and is does become like kind of like an advantage to playing just something different for the sake of playing something different now if it's not good enough to play a different deck then you probably shouldn't do that um you don't want to fall down the mindset of always playing something different for the sake of playing something different but if kato thinks this is the best way to play the deck just where the for where the meta is that just like neutrally gives them another advantage and also another thing too is like if kato wants to go first with this list you know most people are going to see charizard and just choose to go second so kato yep is pretty often getting the turn zero result that they want, right? Being able to be the one who's going first. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then when it's built this way with the heavier nest ball count, like you're able to take advantage of uh, your opponent picking the wrong choice, but your opponent, of course, doesn't know that they should be choosing first against you based on your build. Well, let's look at the rest of the day two decks. I mean, just kind of general thoughts in day two. Oh, also, I guess we can look at Gavin. We should mention... Oh and yeah, I just Gavin. skipped. Yeah. I, I, I skipped two top eight decks because we were just looking at Kato's list. But yeah, we do have yeah. Magnus Peterson making top eight with the yeah super effective glasses lost box. Just kind of an aggressive lost box deck that's trying to take two prizes every single turn. Yeah, Christian got top eight with this. Christian Hodas or Hudas uh, got yeah. top eight in Stuttgart with the glasses. Um, and yeah, now Magnus rolling up with the glasses. Uh, pretty similar list. I don't even know how much different there is, to be honest. We'll actually pull up the other. The Bravery Charm is new. I know that. The Bravery Charm is definitely new. Um, but then besides that, pretty close. No Gift Energy this time around. Uh, no Zinnia's Resolve. Unlucky. But you'll love <laughs> to see it because that card is terrible. I hate Zinnia's Resolve so much. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, Glass is back. Is this the best way to play Lost Box? I don't know. There's a lot of ways to play Lost Box. And a lot of them are doing well. Like we had Fontenot winning with kind of classic Sablezard. Brennan's up here with the Moon Sablezard. Magnus, another Glasses top eight. Um, not tell you to be honest. Then we've got Gavin Irving here, top eight with the Lost Tina. Looks pretty similar to the Brandner, right? Yeah. Has the, the Avery, the three path, the two Pokey, two Pokey gear. gear. Mm -hmm. Two we'll switch, two switch part. And one escape rope. Got the escape rope in there. Um, yeah, this one's like, this is like kind of what I feel like the majority of people are playing a little bit more like this. Brent definitely came out with something. I mean, it's, I, would, I don't want to say spicy, just a little bit different, a little bit teen. I like, mean, it's not like, <laughs> it's not that different, man. Come on now. Yeah, it's a little, a little bit different. Okay, it's only a little bit different. Is oh, it the it's next so innovation? different, man. He's got a fourth path to the peak. And I mean, hey, we both like fourth a path. Second too. Sableye. Yeah, I don't know if I like second save light, but fourth path is pretty so broken. That's, that's pretty broken. That's it's a good so card. Different. Hey, the Pokey Gears, uh, <laughs> you have to freeze up some space. You know, fourth nest ball. That finds basic Pokemon. 
Yeah, Brent was like, I play these Pokey Gears and I never get a supporter anyway, so I'm just going to take them out of my deck, you know? <laughs> Let's make them things that do stuff, you know? Yeah. I mean, hey, Nest Ball could find Greninja, which draws two cards guaranteed. That could be a Colrus. Hey, there you go. There we go. You can't Nest Ball. Why well, look or... at the top seven for Colrus when you could just look at the top two for Colrus? Yeah, but Greninja could also get you, what if you need an energy instead of a Colrus? And then it, That's true. Or, like a jet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah, yeah. a VIP pass. Yeah. It could be anything. It, Greninja. <laughs> Ninja does it all. Pokey Gear maybe gets you a chorus. Think about it. <laughs> the math. Um, I think one of the other big things here, though, looking at this like top 32 decks, there's a lot of Roaring Moon. And there's also a decent amount of Arceus. More and than Guardian you would expect. Too. And two of them are Arceus Rayquaza VMAX. Of course. What else would it be? Yeah. Silly me. Why would I think it would be anything <laughs> else? I mean, Reggie Gigas would have been, I guess, a thought at this point, to be honest, after Makani has been kind of uh, bringing light to the Arc Gigas, but no, it's Arceus Rayquaza that is the highest. Is it the highest placing Arceus deck in the tournament? It is right. Uh, there is, yep, yeah. Twenty eighth is, is the Arceus, Arceus Hey, it's still getting its. Hey, the fire energy. There's six fires. Where's the radiant Charizard? We talked about this. <laughs> Joe actually <laughs> added me on Twitter and said, "No, Azul, I would not like the rats." <laughs> <laughs> but if you're gonna put six fire in there, I mean, come on. No, Azul. <laughs> Silly as well. Once we have six fire in there, like the consistency is there. Get the Radzard in there. Swing in 250. Clean them up. Uh, but yeah, Rayquaza VMAX. This this was on stream, right? Yes. It was definitely an entertaining series for sure. Um, that went to Sudden Death. Bro, we are robbed of so many Sudden great... Death? <laughs> yeah, we went, or whatever it's called, Tiebreaker Game. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We were robbed of so many hype moments, but then we got one finally with the Rayquaza versus Roaring Moon going to... Um, going to the tiebreaker game on the back of a, a missed lethal. Um, but there was a there was a moment where in a, a roaring moon mirror, it almost went to the tiebreaker game. But the last card in deck was the dark patch. It was so it was so deflating, man. And then we got we did get this though. This did kind of make up for it a little bit. Um, I don't know what to think about this deck though. To be honest, it's Arceus Rayquaza V Max. Play Heatran. Heatran can do a lot of damage. That's true. Yeah, overall, I got I got no clue what to think about this. I'd have to like play some games with it. It's but, got like, some was... tricks too. The Delphox V is yeah. pretty cool, right? Uh, the Armor Rouge, right? To be able to move your energies around. Yeah, I was like, I thought about it though on stream earlier. Someone like asked me how good I think the deck is. I was like, I don't know. Let's see. What do you lose to? You're probably unfavored against Lost Tina, Gardevoir, Maridon, Roaring Moon, Charizard. I was like, I don't know what you beat, to be honest. I don't know if you beat anything. <laughs> I'm kind of lost on this one. But maybe if it's close enough in those matchups, even if they're unfavorable. Is your Charizard matchup that bad? I don't know. I guess they're not really KOing anything in the early but game. Yeah. And you can you can KO them with Rayquaza, right? Like Maybe, maybe the Charizard is beat. Let's see. Let's see. What were they beating? What were they beating? A little Mews. bit of everything, losing a bit of everything too. They had the Drapion for the Mew, yeah. Lost Makes to some Mews, beat most of the Mews. We got the Armors for the control matchup. That's kind of cool. Armorage is pretty cool for the control matchup. Beating some Maridons, it looks like this other player. Beating up on the Tina's. Maybe the Tina matchup is good. Yeah, see, I'd have to play it to know for sure. Looks like theoretically in my head, it kind of like it would also make sense for it to not be good. Like Arceus decks just don't feel that good in the meta in general, and there's a reason like people have kind of um push them to the wayside is because like when you actually pick it up and you try really hard with it it's like it's still tough to get, get there against a lot of the top decks we see it be still getting there They're like makani you know top eight into a ninth place at charlotte 
let me see here. Arcus Rayquaza, you know, not quite as good as the the Makani showing with the Gigas, but still like two in top thirty two. It does feel like though Arceus right now is like the deck that you have to work like extra hard to get the like okay results. I don't know. Yeah, you have to work really hard to have a bunch of unfavorable matchups. So. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas like with Tina, you have to work really hard. Like I've been saying this about Tina. It's like if you're gonna commit the time and effort to put into Tina, it's like okay, that's fine. But you have to play really well on the day. You have to work really hard, and you're fifty-fifty against everything. And all every other deck has to go generator attack or candy Charizard attack. And you're just over there like, all right, comfy, tough one. Okay, I'll take this one. A Colrus, another comfy, and they have to like make all these right decisions. And your opponent's yeah. just over there like waiting to play another generator. So, um, yeah, and yeah, Arceus like you don't have to work as hard as you do with Tina. Um, but to get creative with all like the little stuff you have to play, like you look at Makani's list, and there's like so many like little uh little cards that you can utilize in different situations, which is like really cool. Um, but it's like you're working really hard, and yeah, and then even then the matchups are still really really close. So yeah, it's definitely tough for those decks out right now. But it's cool to see them still like popping up, and that's always like really, I guess just cool. like player skill. You know, it kind of it kind of it kind of like speaks to like player skill kind of being like the maybe the number one factor just playing well on the day with your deck um is like the the bigger difference which is yeah. nice that's always yeah nice. for sure um there was a decent amount of guardians in top 32 as well i didn't really notice that until you kind of scrolled through here and roaring moons and actually just take a look at the ninth place roaring moon list real fast it is just ross's list but look how many people played ross's list oh wow yeah they came through that's crazy yeah this has kind of been a trend you know in the game the last couple of years which is a cool thing to see right like someone does really well with a deck people realize oh this is just kind of the best way to play this deck right now and there's really there is nothing wrong with doing this if you like yeah. a list you think it's good practice with it you like it there's nothing no shame in just playing the same 60 yeah a lot of the time i think it's like players who are kind of a little bit lost and like don't really have a home or a deck to call home or to call their deck that they're playing the current meta and they're like oh Ross's list is cool. I'll go play that. Or there are players who are like, we're playing Roaring Moon, and they're like, yeah, I think Ross's list is probably better than mine. I'm going to go just go play Ross's list, which is, yeah, there's no shame in doing that at all for sure. And we see the results kind of speak for themselves. You know, quite a few people just picked up the Ross 60, two top yep. 16s, um, 32, and some others in day two as well. So yeah, no shame in it for sure. You want to be the innovator, though. You want to be Ross, ideally, playing it for the first time because um, that's where you're going to get the biggest advantage, right? Is when you're playing a list that people don't know what's, what they're up against. But now people can be like, eh, this looks kind of like Ross's list. And I look at that previously. I think I know what you're playing here. We do have several Gardevoir, like you mentioned, Tord and Rune, both making uh, top 16 with it. And Rune I played didn't the notice anything super crazy in any of these lists. No crest. Did Rune have the Cresselia? Or no? Rune That's like the one did. thing. People haven't been playing Cresselia. There is a Cresselia in Runes list, though. Yeah, it did have the Cress. Research builds, too. After Gustavo, we saw Gustavo uh, get top four with the double research. Rune with the double research. Tord with the double research. Just trying to see cards. James Cox also played the Cresselia. He had the double Avery, no research build. Worker in there as well. Yep, yep. And then Edwin... No, it did have the crest as well. So crest making its way back into a lot of the decks. It looks like double research. Yeah, I, it definitely I mean, seems like more crest than not. Yeah, you can like check the statistics. Eighty-one percent of Gardevoirs. Yeah, eighty percent still with the crest. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, it's like it's such a good card, especially if he feels like such a good card in the Tina matchup. So it's like hard to it's hard to like not want to play Crest. But if you just like play the resources, like maybe you're just getting more aggressive and just punching stuff um, harder as well. I guess I could see that being the trade off. And the only other, I think, notable deck that we haven't really talked about yet from day two is the Maridons. Maridon didn't have as strong of a day, it feels like, at this one. Not very um, peony Maridon. Not very many peony Maridon. If you went back there to the card yeah. sets, it was like 0.67 peonies in Maridon decks. Yeah. So peony Maridon usually plays four. So that means, yeah, there just wasn't that many of the peony builds here. Oh, wait. Well, I'm it's probably some people that? playing like the split and stuff, you know. Oh, I guess there's three. Yeah, people are getting more creative with the splits now. Two, two, two. Okay, three. maybe everyone had P. No, not everyone. There had to be some without the peony then for sure. There. Yeah, for sure. There's a four. Let's look at some of the uh, Iona lists because they are, I think, more likely to not have. Well, that's going to be tough to look at because you clicked on Iona. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> when you click on Peony here, there's really only one deck that plays Peony. But you click on Iona. <laughs> it turns out a lot of decks out. play Iona. Yeah, would you look at that? All those decks that are playing Iona. Here we go. We found one. <laughs> there you go. No path. I think that's the point of not playing, of not playing Peony. Is you playing path. You can like judge Shout path. Shout out to Iona Glenn Bowens here. 19th place at Stuttgart. And was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it again. And then got top 64 with the exact same 60 cards. Exact same 60. Been running <laughs> for a while. Sins list from Gdansk. Yeah. Maybe, uh, yeah, maybe she hasn't picked it up, picked up the card since then. Definitely looks, definitely a little bit of an outdated list for sure. I feel like the Maridon innovation has come a little way since then. Yes. The Maridon technology has gotten out of hand. Yeah, um, and then I think there was a couple other like kind of interesting decks in day two, like off meta decks. Um, there was a Regigigas player who got 119th <laughs> place. I was like, dang, I was looking at this earlier. I was like, this deck is on Limitless. It tells you how much each of the decks cost to make. Regigigas, only $16. You pay, pay $16, you can play a deck that is good enough to make day two to regional championships. But then if you scroll down a little further, you click on the Cherim Reggie Drago deck and you see that it only costs eleven dollars. Hey, there we go. But what, all right. Listen, Joe, if you're out there and you're listening to the podcast, why is there a wishy-washy in your deck? What is this doing in here? Yeah. I don't I need really to know. know what happened here. <laughs> One wishy-washy. I feel like I saw joe's twitter let me see if i can find it what is the zarud or wochian even oh i don't even know what the zarud or the wochian do either so the zarud azul if you played some more uh glc you would be very familiar with zarud uh very strong first attack if you're going second and it's your first one you get to search your deck for three grass pokemon and put them into your hand decent little setup and then repeated whip 60 damage plus 20 more damage for each grass energy attached to it so okay okay can hit pretty hard and then the wochian uh binding greed 140 during your opponent's next turn attacks used by the defending pokemon cost two colorless more probably pretty good against charizard right yeah that's got to be pretty annoying but how do you not just smash charizard well you're just two hitting each other back and forth no dude zarud one shots it oh yeah wait yeah it's weak to grass yeah well wochian seems like it's a bad why wouldn't you just play play another zarud right (laughs) 
Well, maybe, maybe that's what in the a different matchup. Is for. I for anyone who doesn't know this guy, for anyone who's listening, the wishy washy is the what is the wishy washy? What is this one? It's from Evolving Skies. Yeah, this deck, this card is like literally useless in this deck. It has 30 <laughs> HP. It's a Rapid Strike Pokemon, and it has the ability Group Power. If this Pokemon has three or more Water Energy attached to it, it gets plus 150 HP. Remain. It gets plus 150 HP. Now you might read that and be like. Oh, that would be pretty good if you like just got a bunch of water energy on it. It's a one prizer that you know has a bunch of HP. Oh, the problem is, is this deck plays zero water energy, <laughs> yeah, and then, and then the its attack, attack is... does thirty damage, and then thirty more damage for each. Oh, wait oh, it a is second! Basic energy. Oh, we figured it out. We read the card, Chip. Let's go, Joe. I <laughs> don't need to know what the card, why you play the card anymore. <laughs> wait, what's weak to water though? Because it's definitely like for something that's weak to water. What is weak to water? Not Charizard. Radi oh, Radiant Charizard? Is it Takeo Radiant Charizard? Takeo Radiant Charizard? I mean, it can just do a lot of damage, right? I don't... Can it... Is it hitting that hard, though? Are we trying to, like, one-hit KO something with it? And is there not another Pokemon that does, like, the same thing? Like, wait, when is this ever better than just a Zarude? <laughs> oh, wait, it is slightly better than Zarude, right? Well, after what? The... The fourth energy? Yeah. All right, we figured it out though. We figured out why, dude. I was literally, I looked at this earlier. I feel like I was like, bro, why is like I just, I, my mind is being, well, yeah, I guess it just hits. I didn't read the attack. See, I read the ability and I was like, this makes no sense. I mean, if but you, you have read the attack, all nine of your grass energy, and then you attach a basic fire for turn, that's 10 energy. That's 330 damage. Oh, it's a Mew counter. That makes sense. Though. That's how we beat. You, you can one hit KO anything. <laughs> I feel like our way to beat Mew is the counter catchers in the Serena. We just KO three Genesex. Um, yeah, that's a card we haven't seen in quite some time. How about that? The Serena. Serena. Yeah. Interesting one there. People were playing it in Valiant. Or in Entei. Hmm. That doesn't seem very good. What do you like? Because it, like, it is like a pseudo draw supporter gust, but what, what can you even gust with it anymore? Not much. Yeah. Rotom? A B barrel in here? Yeah, this is Tyler Matthews' list from Charlotte. He, he always plays some funky. He always does pretty well with some funky lists, though. Like, yeah, he lists does like to throw some, some techs in there. Right, there's just some stuff in his list sometimes, but he does do pretty well pretty consistently. So Yeah. I understand. Well, we figured out what the wishy-washy was for. We figured out the results here from <laughs> Liverpool. Let's now talk about how they may impact the upcoming regionals this weekend oh no we do have to recap our predictions first we can't forget that yeah forget that because you did have some pretty crazy predictions here so you oh did, did someone leak the script to you like what happened here <laughs> but there was just a smudge over alberto conti's name and it was really yeah. meant to be brent and tonison the whole time <laughs> so well, that would have been a better prediction were, will me win i said no azul said yes and azul was right but not only did azul say me would win our next prediction was over under giratina v-star over under a 2.5 year Tina V star in top eight. Azul took the over. I took was, the under. I was, was correct two, right? on the under, but yeah. Azul predicted that Mew would beat a Giratina in the finals, which is literally yeah. what happened. <laughs> and I predicted the Giratina would not have uh, a tech card for Mew. No Spirit Tomb, no Drapion. Yeah, no Spirit Tomb, no Drapion. Bro, what are, do you think the Tina players like? I guess we'll talk about that a little bit later, but maybe they got to start doing it. I don't know. Got to start respecting um, the Mew. And then our last prediction was, uh, what 
deck will toward play. I said rapid strike. Chip said lost pile. Tord said Gardevoir. Gardevoir. Back to his roots. Back to the roots. Yeah, back to the Gardevoir roots. I did pull out a top sixteen as well. It was out of date. It was out of top eight contention pretty early on in day two, but um, still brought it back to a, a top sixteen. Um, yeah, those are our predictions. But moving forward, we do have knoxville and melbourne regionals this weekend um i almost forgot about melbourne i think someone literally, literally mentioned it in my chat earlier and i just like it went over my head that, that it was like this weekend yeah. i like remembered that there was i thought melbourne was the week of orlando but apparently that's perth perth is the weekend perth, of orlando perth. yeah um, but there's also they have another regional coming up that kind of sucks for them that their regionals are so soon well i guess i guess perth is in the new meta right is it after uic yeah, Orlando's. After oh yeah, because Orlando's after USC. Yeah. Yeah, so they will have like a, a regional in the new, new format. Yeah, that's definitely good. That was something they didn't get last year, right? Yeah, everything was in the Lugia Silver Tempest. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, man, that's. <laughs> Oof. But um, <laughs> yeah, I guess the big thing, the first thing to talk about, Zard's been the number one deck. And to be honest, I don't think it's going anywhere. Do you think it's going anywhere? I think that if. There was a tournament for Tina to overtake Zard. It probably is this one, right? I don't think it was ever going to be Liverpool. I thought uh, it was because... going to be Charlotte. Yeah, but I think things just don't move as fast as you think they do. Yeah, I got to like add a week or two. To or as fast as you think they should, right? Could, so yeah. I think like people see the results from Charlotte. And they saw Tina win in pretty dominating fashion in the finals. People like Tina. It's been pretty popular. I think there is a chance that Tina becomes number one, but I think Zard is still right there. Um, and I probably would still give the edge to Zard just staying at number one. But like, I mean, I think it's going to be like a, you know, one of them is 17, one of them is 15, one of them is 17, one of them is 16. Like it's right there. Yeah, I wonder how much people value wins, right? Because Zard has still been fine, right? It hasn't had like a dominant tournament, but one of the factors with that as well is like, like, Zard, like, there's always going to be some really good players who play decks, right? You got Ross with the Roaring Moon. Um, I mean, me and the me and CGC played Maridon at at Charlotte, but even then, you got like Nick Moffat who played it at Portland um, and Charlotte as well. So you're going to have some really really good players playing some decks. Zard doesn't like. There's very few really really good players who like choose to pick up Zard. It definitely is like Tina is the deck that the really really good players gravitate towards. Tina and Guardy, I think for sure. So that's always going to impact the end results. There's going to be really, really good players playing Zard, playing Moon, playing Marana, but just, there's just less, right? So it's not really a surprise to me when we look at some of these top eights and we're seeing way more Tinas in top eight, um, especially when you can tie like some names to them as well, right? But Zard has still been getting its top eight, right? Like I got top eight in Portland. Rogerson got top eight or second at uh, Charlotte. And even at Liverpool, we had two top eights in there as well from Lawrence and uh, Cato. So, so I guess like, um, I mean, one thing that does kind of drive decks popularity and stuff is results, but I don't think, I think Charizard not winning, um, again, isn't going to like hurt its, his, its, uh, its percentages because it's still competing consistently. So, but if, it, but if it did start to fall off drastically and there was like no top eights, maybe even just struggling to get some top 16s, then I could see that impacting it. But because it's been able to keep up consistently, I think that like, it almost like it, like it inspires the Charizard players to keep going, you know? It's like, yes, it's still doing it. You know, if they can do it, I can do it. Um, and yeah, it is still a really good deck as well. Like, like I said, I think it might be the best deck in the format overall. So yeah, I think Charizard will maintain its number one seed, number one spot for now. Because there's no reason for people's faith to have wavered yet. 
Do you think that Mew winning this past weekend is going to have an impact on what people do in both Melbourne and Knoxville? Like, I don't do people are the Tina's going to nope. start to put in those spear nope. tombs and They're the draft? Stubborn. They don't do it, bro. They don't. Bradner did at Charlotte, but Bradner was like the only one. Yeah. Um, I think John had it as well. Then I think Bradner and John might have been on the same 60. Uh, but Finally? yeah, they just don't. <laughs> yeah, they just, people just don't. I, dude, I literally, I was like, I was like, this is the moment. What I say, was it Portland or something? I was like, yep, everyone's going to be bringing, like, people have to be done. No, it was after Portland. Like going into, I don't remember which one it was anymore. Well, maybe it was going into Portland. Yeah, it was going into Portland. I was like, dude, people have to be sick of losing to Mew. We got, we're going to see the Drapions. We're going to see the Spirit Tombs. And then Portland was like Mew's best tournament in yeah. this format. Um, and then after Portland was Charlotte, still didn't see very much Spirit Tomb or Drapion. Uh, Liverpool. I mean, there's some. It's out there. A lot of decks do naturally kind of pair up well into Mew, right? Charizard's fine. Roaring Moon's fine. They're never going to bring right. a Drapion or a Spiritomb. Right. But the decks that don't pair up as well, you know, the Maridons, uh, the Tinas, they're not always bringing the Drapion or the Spiritomb. But I feel like you just should. Like, I feel like if you're going to play one of those decks, like, too many good players choose, like, will be playing Mew. And Mew just has such good potential to go very far um, if it doesn't run into those Spiritombs or whatever. Um, but I, but I I think the answer will be no. I don't think people are going to be playing Spirit Tomb. I don't think it's going to change. Yeah, It'll let Mew have its way again. Mew just dominates once again. Now with the question there, I guess in response to that, like, do the DTE Mews just like cut the fusion energies? It's close. That's a tough call. Um, it's like just really say Yolo We Ball or whatever. I think if I was playing Double Turbo Mew, I think I guess the one thing that I guess the one. Uh, deck that I guess has been consistently playing the answer has been Maridon. Um, but that actually makes me want to go check at the well, I the first Maridon I clicked on on Liverpool did not have Spirit Two more, <laughs> but most Maridons have been playing one of the two, and this one didn't either, bro. Never, no one's playing it, bro. Everyone just wants to lose to how me, are you bro. going to a tournament in Europe and not playing one of the two? Dude, you know, I mean, maybe they just like it, maybe they that's enjoy... why Fabrizio went to. Europe to play, to play in the tournament. Yeah, Fabrizio was like, "Well, I'm gonna play Mew anyways. I may as well go to a European event, get the dub, and just dip on them." <laughs> um, yeah, I would like if I was playing like I was playing a Maridon or a Tina. Those like there's not that many decks that I actually want to play a Maridon or a Spirit Team or like a Drapion or a Spirit Team. Excuse me, because like I said like the Moons, the Charizards, you just play the matchup. Um, but yeah, if I was playing like a Maridon or a or a Tina, I think I would definitely be. I mean, I guess Tina kind of has to bring Spirit to Maridon, like, depends, I guess, on on uh, the build you're playing. But I, I guess Spirit 2 might lean towards a little bit more than the Drapion. But Drapion's chill, too. It feels like Roaring Moon has been kind of the new hotness the last couple of weeks. Kind of solidified itself as a solid top four deck. You know, 9% meta share, two events in a row. Do you think that continues? And are we going to just... Is that something we should expect to see for the rest of the meta? Because we got this meta for... Two more months now at this point. Yeah, I think we will. I think I think a lot of people like the deck. I think the deck is a little bit better than like I thought it was overall. Um, I don't think it's that great of a play, though, if your goal is to win. Going through Charizards and Guardies and all that kind of stuff is just like you're not going to have a great time. There are um, so many decks in the meta good, but... right now. Like You can't avoid everything, right? Yeah, but you could avoid a bad matchup into 17% of the meta when like we all know Charizard is going to be 17% of the meta. So... Yeah. I would say I think it will be about ten percent, but I wouldn't recommend everyone play Roaring Moon. I don't think like if you're trying to make a last minute decision. I don't. Like, if your goal is to do as best you as you can, you can be okay against Charizards if they're not tough. playing Radzard in the meta. But if they're playing Radzard in the meta, which most people are right now, yeah. then it. The, I think the Rads. You said it a couple weeks ago that the Radzard just like shores Hard. up 
the yeah. Zard and the Maradon matchup for you can for play Charizard. your bench like really weird and really small and like not put two prizes in play or not even put Pidgeot in play and you go like Charizard, Radzard, Rotom, and then they have to carry the Radzard at some point, and then once they go to the odd prize cards, you just win. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're a Zard player, when you do your VIP passes off the rip, put the Radzard down. <laughs> Um, as long as you have your switch card in the deck, it usually is the correct play to just put the Radzard in play. Because they can't really afford to just like gust it and try and trap it. You'll eventually attach five energy and then you just win anyway. So, um, yeah. Especially if you're not playing the Nest Ball, then like finding the Radzard can get awkward later. So you can just VIP pass for it, turn one, just have it ready to go. And then we've seen so many different Lost Box decks, right? We talked about it a little bit already. The Sablezards, the Sableye, Charizard, Roaring Moon deck. We've seen the super effective Glasses builds. Um, there's been some Kyogre stuff still floating around. Where is Lost Box at, man? Like, if, if there was a Lost Box deck that you wanted to play this weekend, what route do you think you would want to go? Um, honestly, the Glasses build is just really cool. So I think I would lean towards that. Um, I've always said I've said Ogre in the past. And I think yeah. Ogre probably is the best overall build still. Um, although I don't know, I don't know if I that is true though, because I feel like the glasses build has like a good Tina matchup, whereas like the Kyogre build is a little bit more iffy. Because sometimes they don't have a board state set up where you can actually use o uh, Ogre to close out the game. Um, yeah, um, yeah, I like the glasses. I like the glasses build for sure. I think I would go with that one. I don't know if it's they're all good. Like all the lost box, all the lost piles. I don't really have a super strong opinion on any of them. They're just all fine. They're all fine. You can't really go wrong with one over the other. So pick your favorite, the one you're really rocking with right now. And I think, uh, you know, just uh, be good at it and make that your goal. But they're all fine. Let's make some predictions for the tournaments this weekend. And we are doing these with both events this weekend in mind. So there is the Knoxville Regional Championships and then also the Melbourne Regional Championships. Will Giratina this weekend make another finals appearance? That'll be four and five tournaments in a row, potentially, if it was able to do it at both. Will it make a finals appearance as a well, yes or no? I think, yeah, I think I have to go with, I'm going to go with yes, just based on the the percentage of players, like tier one players who choose to play Tina. It's so high, it's hard to not say yes. So I'm going to go with a yes on a Tina finals appearance. I While I do think there is a good shot... I'm just going to say no because <laughs> it's just been too much success recently. You know, the, the Tina players need to come back down to earth realistically. Yeah. Got some and, big heads uh, right now for sure. Now this is the weekend that it's going to happen for sure. <laughs> Arceus decks have started to be more popular. We talked about the Arceus Rayquaza deck. Obviously we've seen Makani, the Stratford brothers, Joe Turrentine playing the Reggie Gigas V star over here in America. Um, what do you think the highest placing Arceus deck will be, Azul, this weekend? Whatever version of Arceus that may be. Um, I mean, it'll probably be Arceus or Gigas, and but it'll probably, I mean, thirty-two probably. It'll probably be top thirty-two. It'll probably be Makani as well. Top thirty-two for Makani <laughs> with the Arceus or Gigas. I'll go like this. Is my this is my expanded prediction here. It's gonna be. Makani with Arceus Regigigas. <laughs> uh, give him a top 32. He'll get top 32. Top 32. Uh, I'm going to go with the top 16 this mm. weekend. A More little bit better than me. the top 32 finish. Uh, but hopefully for Makani's sake, it's not him bubbling out once again. Because getting to 36 match points and then not getting to play top <laughs> eight. Yeah. That's, that's brutal, tough. man. That is tough. Like, actually, like speaking on that for a second, like, when do you think is the 
when do you think they'll tell us what the next uh what would you even call it like breakpoint uh, kicker is like when's the next kicker to like a next round or a top 16 or or do you think they'll eventually just give us top 16 they're probably or... trying to figure that out man <laughs> they don't know <laughs> um yeah maybe but maybe instead of a kicker they'll just give us top 16 or give us a i think that's the easiest solution is top just 16? do top 16 that's what and i, I like top 16 happen. a little bit better than asymmetrical cut i think I think I would like it more as well. Yeah, I yeah, I think a top sixteen. Let more would people be nice. get in there because asymmetrical cut still just becomes thirty six match points. I'm gonna already like call out the people who are gonna complain that like oh back when I I was first like last season if I was first seed I was guaranteed top eight but now I have to play for top sixteen like chill out nobody cares top sixteen is definitely would be an improvement to the system. Yeah, but you already I can already like hear them complaining about it. Yep, there they are. I can hear them. Yep, yep, yep. We know. No one cares. Yeah, top 16 would definitely be an improvement. We need something eventually. It would be nice to know when it is or if it's just going to be like an over. Like maybe yeah, if you have I mean, like I would be over... surprised if anything changes this season. Yeah, probably uh, I don't not. think that it's like as it's not like a drastic need. It's something that should change, but it's not like impeding the success of the game, I don't think. Whereas like last it, it, year we are getting there but like going to next season if the events plan to be bigger next season we're gonna feel it more for sure if we're so looking like, at three thousand players or getting close to like three thousand players at these regionals if we can do that like that's steep so like vgc whenever they came back with scarlet and violet at the start of last year start of 2023 they had their old system in place where it was yep. they played day one and then day two was just the top 32 and it was just single elimination top 32 from there on out. Yeah. Um, and that system was pretty out of date. That was what they did when there was like 200 people at VG regionals. And then there were 600 people at that tournament or 800 people, something like that, 600 or something. Um, and you had like 30 people bubbling out of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> out of top 32, like something ridiculous like that. And so they implemented a day two Swiss system, very similar to what TCG has. They made that ad emergency adjustment because that's like something they had to do yeah. to like make sure the game would still be like going to tournaments would still be an enjoyable experience for the majority of the player base. I don't yeah. think changing top cut this season is like something that's going to have a major impact on the majority of players enjoying going oh, yeah. to Pokemon tournaments, right? So I don't yeah, that's course. why I don't think it's like a massive priority. And I don't think it necessarily should be, but it is something that I think we don't want it to get next to... season they should address. There should be a kicker in place, two thousand players, something <laughs> like that, where triggers an extra round, triggers top sixteen. And honestly, I wouldn't hate it if it was just um We always had top sixteen, no kicker. I think that would be fine. I think if it was top sixteen with the uh Anytime you get to the sixth Swiss round, I think I would like that, right? Okay, so yeah, sixth Swiss round with top six. I yeah. think that number is 800, something like yeah. that. If you have 800 masters, you get six Swiss rounds day two. If you have 799, you get five Swiss rounds day two. Five Swiss rounds day two into top eight, six Swiss rounds into top 16. I think that would be a fine solution. Or if it was like 800 to like 1599 or something like that. Yeah, is, and then after that. And then if it's 1600 or more, you <clears> give us top 16. I think that's a yeah. good solution. We just don't want to get it. It just shouldn't. Hopefully it doesn't get to the point where it's as bad as the VGC thing was. I guess it would never get as bad as the VGC VGC it thing affects was. So many, so many. Yeah, it affects so many more players. But yeah, at some point it does just kind of be just like, I don't know. You look at the results from the tournament. It's like, well, I don't know. The, all these players had the 37 points and they didn't make cut. Like that feels like. Yeah, Because at some point when you're playing in the tournament, it's like, well, if you didn't go, you know, 15 and one or 14 and one, you literally can't make cut like. 
we with with the amount of variants that are in like Pokemon, you have to have a little bit of like leadway to like allow for for variants. Um, you don't have to give it too much, like, but <clears throat> that should be a little bit for sure. All right, last prediction here between the two tournaments this weekend, over under the number of Forest Sealstone played in decks. So we're talking about the number of eight different decks for two tournaments. So total of 16 decks. How many of them will play? Not how many of them. How many copies of Forest Sealstone will be in those 16? So Charizard usually has one. Something like Mew usually has three. Maridon, one to two. Something like that. Yeah. What do you think? We're putting the over-under at 8.5, which I think is a pretty decent line. A big part of that line depends on if you think a Mew is going to make top cut or not. Well, I already predict people to not tech from you. So people aren't teching from you. Mew's probably going to do pretty well. So I got to go with the over on this one. I'm going to go over yeah. 8.54 seal stones. I'm going to go with the over <laughs> as well on this one. And I'm almost wondering if we should have made the over under a little higher. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, listen, maybe the text will come the out. The first number I threw out there was 10.5. And you were like, that's way too high. So, well, I thought you were talking about for one tournament. I was like, well, was, yeah, that would be a little yeah, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For two tournaments, no one teching from you. I mean, the math adds up. That's an over. (laughs) I'm going with the over as well on that one. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move into Guess That Flavor Text. But before we do, we do have to, of course, take a moment to thank our amazing sponsor, Dragon Shield, for supporting us here at the Uncommon Energy Podcast. Dragon Shield, of course, makes some of the best card gaming and tabletop gaming products and accessories on the market including sleeves, binders, deck boxes, and so much more. Azul and I always use their sleeves, whatever tournament, whatever type of Pokemon we are playing, we're using the Dragon Shield sleeves. You got something uh, picked out for Knoxville this weekend, buddy? Yeah, running it back with the tangerines. That's been your mm. go-to, huh? Yeah, I have a lot of tangerines, so tangerines again <laughs> for this one. Did you just order like a case of the same sleeve? Yeah. <laughs> But I do have the Auroras are the next ones on the are coming up after I get through the Tangerines. So Tangerines first, Auroras next. Um, but yeah, huge shout out to Dragon Shield as always. We're supporting the podcast. Um, love having them uh, be part of uh, what we're doing over here. And uh, as always, you can use code UEPOD to receive 5% off over at dragonshield.com. Uh, or you can just use the link down in the description on the YouTube. Yeah, appreciate that. Using that code does help to support us, but also gets you a little bit of a discount when you're buying your sleeves. Uh, And with that, let's move on to Guess That Flavor Text, the game we play every single week where one of us picks a card, has the other person try to figure out what that flavor text. We read the flavor text. The other person guesses what Pokemon that belongs to, yada, yada. We get the drill. I did see something recently in like one of the Pokemon handbooks. I don't remember what I was looking at. Uh, but officially in like a Pokemon handbook, that line of the Pokemon card is called the Pokedex entry. It's not called flavor text. Oh, but we're still calling it. Guess that flavor text. (laughs) Cause that's what it is in all of our hearts. And, uh, yeah, the way the game works, we each, uh, or one person gets a chance to try to guess what the card is. You do get some lifelines to utilize. Those are what set the card is from what stage the card is and read an attack name. You get four points if you don't use any lifeline, and you lose a point for each lifeline you do use. I jumped pretty far ahead last week. Yeah. With the heat more guess. 
three points ahead for me. So I am now up 19 to 11. Hmm. So I'm got some back here. Gap. Yeah. <clears throat> Going to do my best here, Chip. Hit me with uh, this week's flavor text. They give off a sweet and refreshing scent. Cute to fly often gather near the tall grass where blank are hiding. Uh, they often give off. All right, give it to me one more time. They often give off a sweet and refreshing scent. Cute to fly often gather near the tall grass where blank are hiding. So the first book, one that comes to mind. Well, it says where blank is hiding. I was going to say Sunflora because it's like a flower, but they give off a sweet and refreshing scent, but then they also hide in the tall grass. Um, and I feel like I've heard like this one. I've got something coming to mind, but I, I got to use some lifelines here for sure. All right, so just give me the set of the card. It is from Sun and Moon Base Set. Sun and Moon Base Set. Uh, I don't really have too much to work off with that, to be honest. I'm trying to think of, like, cards that came out back then. Like, if they give off a sweet scent, it makes me think of, like, flower Pokemon. But I don't think it's Klefki. Um, oh, I guess it could be Comfy, uh, though. Hold on for one second. What? Do you think Klefki is a flower? No, Klefki is a key. Okay. Just, I just needed okay. to make sure we were on the it could same be, page. There. It could be comfy, but I actually <laughs> don't know what generation comfy is, to be honest. I have no idea what generation the comfy is. Um, I don't think there was a comfy back then. Is comfy like a newer Pokemon? Comfy and Klefki are like the same Pokemon to me. I don't know why. Um, so it's not, <laughs> it could be I comfy. I can tell though. you that. And then, should I help Azul in these instances? <laughs> Let us know in the comments. Like, should I help Azul out with like what generations Pokemon are from? So it's not. So it's not from. It wouldn't be a Kofi. Okay, good to know. Well, no, it, <laughs> it could be. Okay. Comfy came out in the Sun and Moon generation. It's when Comfy oh. was first introduced. Okay. What stage is the Pokemon? It's a basic. All right, I'm gonna lock in Comfy for two points potentially. Yeah, I can't think of anything else at this point, so we just got to lock it in. All right, well, maybe you should have used one more lifeline because... <laughs> not comfy? It's not comfy. All right, well, give me the attack name, and I'll see if I can get it after. This Pokemon has two attacks. One of them is Synthesis. And the other one is Leafage. And I'll give you one more hint as well. All right, go for it. Oh, cause... I know what it is. It's... No, go for it. <laughs> you don't know what it is? Well, I think I know what it is now, but I don't know. You have definitely that. announced synthesis on this Pokemon in a tournament. Is it the basic of Lorantis? It is. It is Fomantis. Uh... Azul won a regional with use this syn- card in his deck, by the way. I don't know if I use synthesis. Since... <laughs> I don't know if I use the first attack. <laughs> I don't know if you said it either. <laughs> Synthesis. Yeah, I don't think I used the first. Maybe. For I sure, at it. some point, right? I, I don't know. I played it for one tournament. Um, yeah. I didn't want to use I didn't want to use it. That's for sure. I did not want to use its first attack. I can tell you that much. Azul won the Toronto Regional Championships with Fomantis. And he doesn't even do it the justice of remembering its name. Uh, I don't remember the foe. That's a weird looking Pokemon. 
It's a flower. Yeah. I would have never gotten this one to be honest. Yeah, I never would have got the bow mantis. Dang, man. I thought oh, I was helping you out. You've like played this card. But I didn't use that attack. That attack's oh, terrible. Well, Lorantis doesn't have any flavor text. <laughs> what about the other Lorantis? You didn't play that one. Yeah, but still, it would be something. I like to give you ones that you, you did... played because it's hilarious when you get them wrong. <laughs> this Lorantis. Yeah, what's the. It requires a lot of effort to maintain Lorantis's vivid coloring, but some collectors enjoy this work and treat it as their hobby. Oh, dude, that's a good one. Yeah. I would have, like, guessed Pavilion or something with that one. Yeah. That would have been my guess. Well, you'll have to guess again in two weeks, and I'm going to try to advance my lead next week. Sheesh. It's getting pretty... Getting pretty tough, to be honest. You're gonna have to step it up, buddy. I'll try to. I'll try to help you out a little bit when There's I. There's actually can. one point where I was in the lead. At one point, I was eight to seven. I'm looking at the spreadsheet right now. Yeah, but you know, you know like four weeks, right? It's because I was feeling bad yeah. for you. <laughs> All right, let's move on. <laughs> Next up, new sets are out. I guess the we, the first one we can make quick here is Aldean Faith is out here, um, in the U.S. and everywhere else. I guess that's like. Not I mean in Japan they've already had this set, but um yeah, not too much. Honestly, I've been playing with it the last couple of days, today and yesterday, and it's just been like a a dis like it's just been not fun. Like there's not none of nothing's good. And then there's not supposed to be really, like it is kind of a collector set, whatever, but it is just kind of yeah, I mean I don't know, like a set release and like everything sucks. Like, I don't know. Yeah, there's some like minor things, the Charmeleon. Yeah. is decent for charizard once that becomes legal it's not legal for knoxville this weekend so don't try to put this in your deck for Knoxville. can you even play the reprints should we put out a you can't use the reprints either yet right you can you sure yes okay my bad yes dude people were literally playing with the shinies in their decks at liverpool well people i saw someone tweet out that you can't use like the prize pack for reprints because they've not been officially released oh so this is officially released so you can oh yes. so you can use you can officially use, re release. You can use reprints. reprinted cards immediately upon their official release. Oh, uh, okay, okay, okay. Yes. Okay, now we know. But you have to wait two weeks for cards that are not just reprints that are new. Okay. But this uh, set has done. It it's more than just like a collector set. It also reintroduces a bunch of cards into the market. Right. There's a lot more. Yeah. Iono's on the market. A lot more Nestwells. Iono had been like three four dollar card almost definitely comes down here with the release of this on tcg player well it is sold out on tcg player apparently nope 38 cents so i mean that's definitely a good thing uh even like charizard ex gets a reprint in this set this is a card that had been pretty consistently you know eight bucks ten bucks something like that and then now this paldean fates version on tcg player you know, it's five bucks, six bucks. So stuff like that is definitely important. It's not really stuff we talk about too often, though. Uh, we mostly are just looking at the competitive value of like the new cards. And yeah, like you said, there's really nothing super crazy in here. Yeah, nothing that's wild. new. A couple upgrades, but like no new archetype. There's like the Espather, which is like the best card, best EX, I think, out of the set, the Espather. But yeah, that's it. In our uh, in our video that we did on Paldean Fates, you were talking about how 
Paldean student engine is something you think could uh, has some potential. What do you think about the Paldean student engine? It's probably not good, but like I just like think like playing with it in that in that video. I was like, hmm, this actually it was better than you had thought it would be. Yeah, like you play it, you get anyone card as long as you have some draw engine around it, like B barrel or Curlius or something. Play one, go get your B barrel. Play two, get another something and a something, and then play three, get three somethings. Like I think I don't know. with this card. I think if this card had not restricted you from getting rule box Pokemon, I could see it being okay. But like the fact that you can't get rule box Pokemon with it, like you can't get yeah. your stage two for most of the decks in the format right now. I guess even if you could, it honestly wouldn't be that good, probably. Exactly. That's like, uh, that's why I'm saying like the restriction I don't even think uh, was necessary. Yeah, there is I mean, the uh, the crisis punch. This is another big card from the set. Oh, I guess this is probably the most the biggest card from the set. To be honest, this is probably yeah. the the one. It's a uh, technical machine crisis punch. You attach it to a Pokemon, and the Pokemon this card is attached to can use the attack on this card, and then you discard it at the end of that turn. And the attack is crisis punch, two hundred and eighty damage for three colorless energy. That's a lot of damage. Very manageable energy cost, but you can only use this attack when your opponent has exactly one prize card remaining. Yeah, so there's like ways you can like combo this with like Cramorant. You can use it for free. You still have to wait for that one prize card, so you can send up a Cram, put a Crisis Sponge on it, you're hitting for 280. All right, that's kind of chill. You ready for um, the sauce? Go ahead. What can you predict what card I'm going to show you? Rapper Strike Jump Bluff. <laughs> I already tried it out. It's terrible. Uh, <laughs> but you can take four prizes. Well, it doesn't quite work that way because they get to send up the new Pokemon. Yeah. You can but... take three prizes. <laughs> and then you like need to set it up with like a Rapture energy and a basic energy. Because if you use reversal, your reversal turns off halfway through your sequence. And then yeah. your, your second attack <laughs> can't even use Crisis Shot. So, yeah. Um, nope. Not very good. But... Put on a cram. I can do some other weird stuff. Like you could play it. Like to be honest, you could like play it in Arceus, and now your Arceus deck has a way to one to KO a Tina at the end of the game if you can get them on one prize card. Like you could play it in like Maridon. Yeah, you could play it in Maridon, and then if but your opponent see this with these decks, your opponent doesn't ever go on odd prize cards. Yeah. Um, and they don't want to either. Yeah, um, that is the so. issue. <clears throat> so that's kind of the problem with the. And also, once they know it, they can like actively not. Yeah, they will actively try to not go on prize cards, but yeah. Um, oh wait, this is the real big card. No, the big card is the this card is like, well, I mean, this one's. I mean, this one might be as impactful as Crisis Punch, to be honest, which tells you how bad this set is because this isn't going to be that impactful. That is will the, play it. The Moonlit Hill. <clears throat> Once during each player's turn, that player may discard a basic Psychic Energy card from their hand in order to heal thirty damage from each of their Pokemon. Yeah, so you're going to play it in Guardi. It gives you a way to accelerate energy into your discard pile. The big thing with this card, though, is it allows your Shiny Arcana to more easily build up to big numbers without reversal energy. So you could accelerate six uh, Psychic Energy to a Shiny Arcana, use Moonlit Hill, discard a Psychic Energy, accelerate two more Psychic Energy, attach Return, and I have nine Psychics on a Shiny Arcana Gardevoir. And if you're ahead in the game, you're one KO and stuff like Mew Max without reversal energy. Yeah, I wonder be, if there could be a one room for, for sure. like an aggressive Gardevoir deck that doesn't even play Reversal Energy. But it it's pretty hard to be aggressive when you're a multi-stage two deck, right? 
Yeah, and I actually wonder if this card will like make everyone drop Cresselia. Like, do you play Cresselia anymore when you have this? Because you get to do. I don't know. Maybe you play both. That seems kind of weird, but you definitely play one Moonlit Hill. I think for sure. Like, you're just gonna play one Moonlit Hill. Cards too um, good. Yeah. Once again, like this, we're not gonna see the effects of these cards until Dortmund, right? Dortmund will they have this stuff legal? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be legal next weekend. Yeah. So for Dortmund, yeah. Yeah. So not legal this weekend, legal next weekend. But what is legal right now in a different part of the world is the cards that will make up our Temporal Forces set. So it is Wild Force slash Cyber Judge in Japan. Yep. Uh, it's definitely annoying that we're in this kind of awkward time frame <laughs> right now where <laughs> they get these cards so much earlier than us. We talked about it a couple weeks ago, but it's just it is really unfortunate we're just kind of sitting here twiddling our thumbs with this format and these watching long them formats, have all the fun we had this last year with scarlet and violet when it dropped like we, these long formats really suck like i don't know like how they could adjust the the release schedule around it but having us like lined up because we like the last couple sets were literally like a week and two weeks separate from japan yeah it was so right? nice yeah but now we're like back into this long format where it's literally what we had last year with Scarlet and Violet, where it's like they rotated in January, we rotate end of March. We're in it again here, two more months until we actually get these cards that Japan has. And Maybe it's just they'll like kind of the EUIC up next year. I feel like they don't even need to do that. You don't have to have the ICs align with the set releases. It's definitely better that they align, though. And it feels like that's kind of like, I mean, just, just based on like what has been happening, that's like. What, what were the set release days this year? It was. Scarlet and Violet came out in March. Yeah. Then we got what was the next one after that? I don't even remember. Paldea oh, they evolved. Oh, they evolved. Came out in uh whenever uh NAIC was. NAIC. Hang on, I'm pulling up the list. <clears throat> and then After the Worlds game. was like the November set, October set. I remember. I'm trying to think of it like could be lined No new set legal me. for Worlds was definitely a little bit of a bummer. It was right after Worlds. So yeah. like it feels like they wanted it, but it didn't quite work out. Yeah. So then but that came out in August, and then we had uh, Paradox Rift in November. Yeah. Um, and then Temporal Forces once again in March. Well, if they move Temporal Forces to January, but I guess it doesn't. I guess they still it still works for a four. But it's not like every three months. It's like every two months, and then there's like a big gap. Yeah, I mean, I think in a perfect world, they would even want Paldean Fates to come out like the beginning of December, to be honest, right? Like, yeah. this is like a perfect holiday Christmas set, right? Yep. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, I feel like it would be nice to see them adjust the schedule around where we're just basically perfectly aligned with Japan or closely aligned with Because, yeah, because Obsidian Flames and Paldean, uh, or Paradox Rift, Obsidian Flames both came out a week and two weeks. Um, around Japan, but 151 was split differently though. 151 came out like two months afterwards or a month afterwards. Yeah, we might just never be able to get a perfect. Um, but I don't know. But the stuff in Japan releases over releases over in Japan regularly, right? So how can we not line up with them? Where it's like they're getting regular stuff, so we'd still be getting regular stuff, but we're on the same schedule. I don't know. Seems weird that we can't do that. You know, I have a good feeling that those conversations are definitely like happening with the people who, you know, release sets over here. Well, it seems like it. Yeah, because like we see that it's getting closer and closer. But this this long format feels so bad. It'd be nice if the other formats were a little bit longer for the sake of this format being shorter, I guess. 
So to close out the episode this week, we're going to just take a quick look at some of the decks that have been doing well early in the new meta over in Japan. So that is another thing about Japan as well. Uh, for us, cards come out, and then you have to wait two weeks after release to play them. In Japan, they're legal to play the second you like can get your hands on the cards. So people have already been playing. The set came out this past weekend. The people have already played tournaments, and we're yeah. looking at some city league results, which are effectively the same thing as uh, league cups. Uh, and just looking at kind of what the meta has broken down, Charizard being the most popular still, because uh, they also did have rotation as well, right? They get the new set, and they had rotation. Yeah, and I feel like Charizard really doesn't lose very much. Like, we lose VIP bats, but you get the Buddy Poffin, so you're kind of still cruising. Yeah, and uh, a lot of the lists are looking, like the Charizard lists at least, are looking really similar to what we see currently with the Pidgeot, with the Rotom, all that stuff. Um, Poffins over VIP passes. They do have the Poffins. They also um, have the A-Specs, and I am surprised that there are so many people playing the rigid belt to be honest but it makes sense uh you know we saw prime catcher it was one of the first ones they revealed and we we're like this card is just broken how is anyone ever going to play any other card but then as these other aspects got revealed you kind of can understand okay there can be an argument for some of these other cards in certain decks and the rigid band says that you deal 50 more damage to your opponent's active pokemon ex so that can help you hit a lot of numbers uh with the decks that people are playing it in. It I was literally going to ask. And the, the Giratina decks. Yeah, I was about to ask, what EX is this Charizard hitting? But I guess Charizard. Yeah, Charizard. <laughs> like, I, was like, I was like, there's Tina's. Because like, like, all the well, other decks. It also decks, lets like, you hit Chim Pao when they haven't taken a knockout. Yeah, so I guess you can be the aggressor now with that, with the Rigid Band. It does allow you to be the aggressor right for on. sure. Gudra. Gudra. Well, that Let's is a Pokemon go. V. Well, I'm just, it's just there. I just saw it. <laughs> Oh, you're just mentioning. Yeah, yeah, so there's been some Arceus decks that are still, like, popping up here. Arctina has done decently as well, it looks like. This is also just the results from one single City League here. If we scroll down, yeah. we can see there's quite a few Chi and Pao decks doing well. Playing the that's Iron we saw Hands, playing at the, the beginning of the, the Paradox Rift, beginning of the Paradox Rift format. That's what we saw as well. People were toting or touting, toting, toting, touting. Uh, Chi and Pao is like the BDIF. And we even saw in, like, the uh, Elite Four Japan tournament, Everyone was playing the Chi and Pao hands. Yeah. Um, we're just seeing a little bit more of that again. Is that the Chi and Pao hands? And they do have the Crypto Maniacs decoding. The new Ooh. supporter card lets you put the top uh, two cards on top. I mean, it combos with Radiant Greninja, combos with Beaverail, combos with Pokestop. Pokestop. Okay. I can get behind that. I can get behind that. Yeah. Also, the Canceling Clone combo is now just two cards instead of three. <clears throat> and with three cards that you have to play six of. But now you just have Prime Catcher, well, Canceling Clone. Yeah, Prime Catcher, yeah, because there's cross switchers have rotated, can't use those. Oh, anymore. that's true. I didn't even think about that. They're just gone. They don't have a choice. You can't even play a bad <laughs> Chi and Pao list anymore. You have to play a <laughs> <laughs> And there's been a little bit of the uh there's been this like one prizer ancient box deck that's popped up a little bit. The Roaring Moon has like a revenge Oh, the Dunsparce. Let's go. The Dadun draw power. Yeah, the Dadun. There was, uh, I, I saw a list on Twitter that was like a Tinkaton list that had the Dadunsparce, which is pretty funny. Tinkaton EX does more damage for each card you have in your hand. It was playing like Nimona and Nimona's backpack as well. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just cool. There's like a lot of experimenting going on right now. Here's another person with that ancient revenge box deck. I think it does like 70 base damage <clears throat> and then 10 more for each ancient Pokemon in your discard, something like that. Oh, that one. Oh, that, I was going to say, like, yeah, what is the damage I put on that thing? I don't even know. But yeah, that's, that's not that even that many ancient cards in your... I guess it's for all ancient cards, though, right? It's not just Pokemon? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is it says you play your supporters. Maybe that oh, is good. Maybe new one prize? New one prize, that could be pretty sick, to be honest. Yeah, and Please. Ethan Hegster, Heggy, has been uh, tweeting some results and stuff. So if you're looking for uh, something that's a little bit more digestible... Uh, as far as like being able to read it, you can check out Ethan's Twitter. He's got um, some lists and stuff like that. This is something that like just scrolling through the uh, Pokeka website, really not a lot of the uh, Raging Bolt being played. Uh, but Ethan did share a list of someone who did win a city league with with a with a list. I mean, Raging Ball at the end of the day is literally just another two prize beat stick Pokemon. It's literally Roaring Moon. It's Golden Go. Um, it's mid, probably. It's probably just going to end up being mid. Even though, because like, so I put Maridon like a tier above those just because Maridon has something like Iron Hands. Um, yeah, having something like Iron Hands, I think, makes a big difference. Being able to just like win so fast. That uh, and your opponent has like way less control over the pace of the game because they can't be like, oh, I'm just gonna set up a one prizer for a turn, and you can have one prize card. And the hands is like, nope, I'll have two. And you're like, wait, you'll have two, and then it gets got to control really fast. But like the other decks don't really have that. Um, <clears throat> so I definitely that's why I like give Mariana a little bit of the like before pre Iron Hands, Mariana was just another two prize beat stick deck that tried to draw two prize cards. But now it's become something a little bit more powerful. Here's an uh, an old favorite that's popped back up again, the Lugia V Star. <laughs> Do you know what this Chinchino does? Seventy damage for each special energy card out attached to it. Yep. Yep. He can be swinging. That's two eighty with four attached for turn. You know, you're you're one hit KO and everything. Yeah, pretty much. You're going through it all. Yeah, I mean, it could be good to be honest. You don't need to take that many knockouts, right? You don't. I think need the to big problem with this deck is you don't have Professor Burnett anymore. That rotated. Yeah, what was the? I saw someone tweet out, what was it? It was Lugia, Archeops, Pokestop, and then the the new supporter card that puts two cards on top. Oh, of the Cryptomaniacs. <laughs> yeah, Cryptomaniacs. <laughs> That's probably not good. That is the um, Mega Burnett at home energy. Yeah. Right? Do we have does Mezagoza rotate, or do we still have Mezagoza? Mezagoza is in the format still. Okay, so you have that it's Scarlet yeah. and Violet card. Yeah, no Burnett. Mezagoza is a location the... in the Scarlet and Violet video games. Burnett, honestly, well, you see, they have the budget Burnett there. They got the Jack, Jack plus Ultra Ball. Yep. <laughs> that just sounds not good, but it is there. Uh, it does exist. But you yeah, gotta do cool. what you gotta do, right? Yeah, getting the, the Archeops into this card pile is definitely a struggle for sure. But if you can figure it out, it might be good enough. It might be good again. But yeah, there's still just tons of exploration being done. Uh, part of me wonders with the, you know, we mentioned how cards are like legal as soon as they come out so i feel like people are still probably getting their hands on some of the new stuff potentially so you know more and more weeks into the format and really with that first champions league coming up in a couple weeks we'll get some truly solid results to kind of base our early like euic metagame predicting on right 
Yeah, definitely. And I think there's there's some cards that they don't have. I don't know for sure. Is there some cards that they don't have yet that they're going to get kind of around the time that we get cards as well? I think they've got everything, man. Maybe they got because I don't see any future box decks here. Oh, it's been in here. Oh, okay, okay. They have all the future stuff. Okay, yeah. It's just not that good, man. I don't know. All right, hold on. Let me get my hands on it real fast. Let me, uh... <laughs> it seems good, and you're just having uh, what's it called? Got the little guy. Rose tinted glasses, oh, right? Got the little Thinking guy. About energy. No, we're cooking. We're cooking, dude. But it's so slow. What do you mean? He KOs your Ralts, and then I get two energy. Why are I playing Gardevoir? That's true. Yeah, never mind. He KOs. What are you playing? Uh, I'm uh, I'm playing Charizard. So you get chaos your Charmander. Yeah, I got okay. your Charmander. Now my board is Charizard, Charizard, Pidgeot. I got Verizians. You have a Verizian, and you get to do it once. Maybe I play two. Maybe you play two, but you don't get to do it twice because you <laughs> have to attack with the little guy that does forty damage in order to get have enough the, grass energy in play. We have the the A spec. Okay. Okay. Honestly, that's pretty good. Doesn't it pull all the energy together? The Verizian does. does, right? Yeah, so the we Verizian put energy on everyone. The grass energies. It's them all together. All right, I beat you. What am I playing against in round two? <laughs> <laughs> no, what did you do about my third Charizard EX, though? Because you took a one prize knockout on my. That's true. Um, you know what? Maybe I didn't KO the Charmander. I just hit it for 60. Oh, okay, okay. Poke him. I didn't bench. Yeah, I just poked him. I didn't actually draw the prize card, so you can't KO any of my two prizes. Poke. Just a little I poke. think I had to triple Verizian you, to be honest. I don't think I had another out. <laughs> You're playing three Verizian? Or maybe I Iron Hands here, Pidgeot. Maybe ooh, that's the... Ooh, there we go. Ooh, okay, okay, facts. We do play the future booster capsules. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, Dude, I, I, well, I think that is... I think the future box is better than the ancient stuff. Once I saw everything, I, that's my kind of my take yeah there is but, there's a couple of the future box decks but there's like basically none of the raging bolt deck just a little bit it's just a two prize beat stick man it's just it's literally reshiram but less hyped up yeah but the less hyped sada's up vitality is a little bit better than uh in's resolve it's true that card kind of sucked is that how we had to accelerate energy? Did we have Max Elixir at least? No, we Max Elixir as well. It was Ends Resolve, and you rated Yeesh. it like the second best card in Cosmic Eclipse, and totally ignored ADP. Ends, Re- wait, Reshiram or Ends Resolve? Reshiram. Yikes. Yeah, that was a yikes. To be honest, ADP was pretty good. It was like it wasn't broken initially, but it got pretty good pretty fast. Well, that's just some early results from Japan. We'll be keeping our eyes on what else is doing well. Keep you guys updated on the meta over there as we get into the new format before you know it rotation just around the corner it's an exciting time in the pokemon tcg everything gets a uh, to feel a little fresh a lot more people start playing the game as well um so yeah looking forward to it and if you guys are wanting to keep up with us you can be sure to do that by subscribing here on the youtube channel follow us on whatever podcasting platform you're listening on uh, and you can also follow us over on Twitter. Follow myself at Chip Ritchie. Azul is at Azul underscore GG. And you can follow the podcast at Uncommon underscore Energy. Appreciate the support as always. Um, I guess good luck to anyone in Melbourne. Not Knoxville because I'll be competing in that one. So no good luck to you. And then Bad luck. <laughs> Bad luck to you. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll catch y'all uh, next Wednesday, uh, 7 a.m. Eastern. Go Peace. check out the uh, new YouTube channel as well. Yeah, go check that out. See you guys.